Hello and welcome to Media Made, the show in which we year by year explore the movies, music, and TV that most invaded our lives. I'm your host, a bold kid, Rod, and I'm joined by... A wanderer, that I am. Jess. <laughs> that is your name. <laughs> that is my name. Jess, that I am. <laughs> a wanderer, Jess, that I am. <laughs> Use that one. She definitely said that several times. <laughs> Anyway, hi, welcome to Media Made. If you're new to the show, let me explain. Jess and I, we we, we typically talk about movies, music, and TV, uh, one per episode. And uh, this week's episode is a television episode uh, about TV from 1996. So Jess and I have that looked it at... That it is. <laughs> Stop that. We've looked at a list of, of every television show that debuted in the year 1996, and we decided which one each of us had watched the most in our lives. Uh, the most episodes, uh, maybe we watched it all the way through from start to finish the most, whatever the case, and uh, we're going to talk about them today. We're going to decide which one's better. Yeah. These two are pretty good. This is a pretty good episode, I think. Yeah. Hey, kids, I want to apologize ahead of time. I don't know what's going to make it in this episode, but I've been watching a variety show called Running Man all day, and I'm in a mood to be fighty, so I've been mean to him. I just got home like... 40 minutes ago, and I have not let this man rust. Yep. I've been mean for 40 minutes. So she's going to be antagonistic this whole probably, show, probably. Probably, probably, I'm sorry. Yeah, so when at the end of the episode, when we decide which show is better, Jess might be uh, indignantly mean to me. This is fair, but also, kids, if we're fighting, remember, it's not something you did. It's that I took in the wrong kind of media. She's going to be she's gonna be Jess Bowtie the Manslayer today. <laughs> Oh my gosh, what if I finish? What was my 2010 show? Because if I finish watching Running Man all the way through, we might have to change my thing. We'll get there when we get there. All right. So we're going to start by talking about my show of 1996. Mm. Debuting October 7th, 1996 on Nickelodeon, featuring the voice talents of Torin Caudell, Francesca Marie Smith, and Jamil Walker-Smith. Two Smiths. Created by Craig Bartlett. That is Hey Arnold. Hey Arnold, I hope that brought a lot of joy and nostalgia to a lot of people listening to that. Mm. So this is a Nicktoon, Nickelodeon cartoon, uh, and looking back, I think this was, growing up and today, my favorite Nicktoon. Why? I, something about it just oh, you connected with me. It was the only way you could take in music without being mocked, apparently. No, it wasn't even the music, it was just like, there was just something like, and we'll talk about it as we go through like the, the first episode, like... There's just something about where it was set, the cast of characters um, that appealed to me. I love, I like how grounded it was, right? Because we we talked to Nicktoons before. We talked about um, Rugrats. I guess that's the only Nicktoon we've talked about so far. But still, like Rugrats, it's mostly grounded, but it's also very fanciful mm-hmm. and stylized, right? right? I mean, Hey Arnold's also stylized, but I don't still. It's still about a bunch of kids growing up in the city. Yeah, in a very like grounded real place it's it's a true to life environment but then beneath the surface there's a lot of like fanciful elements that they stumble upon right would their place be called urban metropolitan like what is their inner city inner city okay i was like there's a word for it i just don't know what this word is 
It's all of those. So <laughs> Hey Arnold is about a cast of kids growing up in uh, an urban center. Excuse you. Based on uh, You're what? incorrect. What? Hey Arnold is about Helga Pataki. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard her voice saying Hey Arnold several times. Ar- the show may be named after Arnold, but Arnold is not the main character. No. As the show goes on, it becomes less and less about Arnold. Uh, when we rewatched the first episode, you were like, it's been her show since episode one. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but yeah, it's it's the premise, the basic premise. It's a bunch of kids, chiefly Arnold and Helga, two ma- like two sort of main characters, uh, you know, just living life in the city. Doesn't it, It's a- any city in America. Doesn't matter. It mm. could be New York, Chicago, Seattle. Yeah. It's just kids growing up in the city. And so, like, they, you know, have wacky adventures, like, you know, going, you know, riding the bus, going to the subway, uh, like, you know, running through alleyways, you know, dealing with, like, it kind of reminds me of Do the Right Thing also. You know, it's just, like, kids on a street. It's, like, this is their neighborhood street. I feel like this is the third time you've brought up Do the Right Thing on this podcast. I still have never seen it, and I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, well, the, maybe not the the end and the social commentary of Do the Right Thing, which <laughs> is very much not in Hey Arnold. But still, it's just like, a, it seems like, you know, it's just like a neighborhood street in Brooklyn, that kind of thing, right? That's right. That's what this feels like. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, something about that connected, because I didn't grow up in a city, I grew up in the suburbs. Yeah, you did. So seeing the city in this very idealized way appealed to me. That's weird that they never necessarily made you want to, like, go in. You're not a city kid, like, not even a, like, no. oh, I want to move to the city and, uh, like, live that that adventure life. Yeah, not really. I mean, I never, house. I was never given the, the opportunity. Like, my parents, like, like, we went to L.A. very sparingly as a kid, you know, like, the city city. You mm-hmm. know, we went to the beach. We went to amusement parks like Disneyland and stuff like. Let's pack up and move to a city. Let's no, be. Let's no. move into a boarding house. Let's be the the babushkas. What's Oscar's last name? Kakashka. Let's be a Kakashka. No. We're half Kakasha already. All you have to do is start a gambling den in our apartment. Give me the money. You can keep the money. Oh dear. Right, well, did you watch Hey Arnold as a kid? Yeah. Did you like it? Uh. <laughs> did you have a favorite Nicktoon? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Chalk Zone. Really? That's Cartoon Network, isn't it? No, no, no. That was a Nicktoon. I enjoyed Cartoon Network. I mean, wait. I enjoyed Chalk Zone. I don't know. What is a, what is a Nicktoon? Just what is cartoons that aired on Nickelodeon. Yeah, I, all cartoons live in the same place in my head. That's why I just said, wait, was that Cartoon Network? Kablam? Kablam was a Nicktoon. See? Like, mm-hmm. they all live in the same area in my head. I don't know. I mean, I liked cartoons growing up, but I don't know that I had a favorite. Throw some names out there. Rugrats, no. Doug, no. Ren and Stimpy, no. Rocco's Modern Life, no. Angry Beavers, no. Uh, cat Dog, Cat Dog, no. I mean, I watched all of these, but I I can't. Cow and Chicken, no, that was Cartoon Network. Okay, <laughs> I was like, I did enjoy Cow and Chicken. Rocket Power, Ronald absolutely not. Rocket Power is the <laughs> worst thing to come out of Nicktoons. That would never win if it ever appeared on the show. I hate Rocket Power. The art is bad. The voice acting is fine. There's a few good jokes but i'd rather wear glasses in the nighttime inside than watch it i'd rather look like that kind of person take me to disneyland i'm gonna get on a dark ride with sunglasses on and look like that kind of dude rather than watch rocket power this is what running man's done to you (laughs) this is (laughs) 
We should watch Running Man together. It's so much fun. I laughed so hard that I choked. I had to walk away from the TV because I couldn't breathe. Uh, so the thing about uh, Hey Arnold, the interesting thing is uh, this was a show that I used to watch with my mom. I don't know if like my mom really liked it, but it seemed like the one that she was most willing to watch with us kids. That's nice. Was Hey Arnold. So it was like, and she loved all of the side characters. Like we mentioned Mr. Kakashka. Mm -hmm. She loved Mr. Kakashka. The adults are very flavorful. They're they more are. than flavor text here. Right. Um, so that that's another memory I have is like, you know, I really liked the show and then my mom did too. So yeah, I think the show has a really good vibe. It feels more real. It feels more like a a neighborhood and like a community than a lot of kids yeah, shows. Yeah, and I think that that is a uh, solid appeal. It's like everyone has you, you know who everyone is on the neighborhood when you watch Hang Arnold. You know who you own. You know who owns the meat market. Like who's the who's the neighborhood butcher? It's Mr. Mr. Green. Green. Who's the neighborhood florist? It's Mrs. Vitelli. I think. Sure. I think that's what her name was. Uh, who who drives the ice cream truck? So basically, Hey Arnold is Shears. Where everyone knows your name. It's it, that's that's what I'm saying. Like it seemed like a very tight knit community. Yeah, so like you you attach onto every character. Even the outsiders and the the weirdos. Yeah. and the mentally ill were known widely by the community. Stoop kid. Stoop kid. He was an outsider. Monkey man. Mentally ill. <laughs> It was, it, it, this is like, there's so many memorable moments and characters. Like, I'm, we're mentioning characters, and some of these people only got, like, one episode. Jolly Olly Olly Man. Jolly Olly Man. Wasn't there a, Abner. That's a pig. Side note, there was a dude in my high school that one of my friends had a huge crush on, and his name was Abner, and we would just call him the pig so that nobody would know who we were talking about. It's hey, okay. Abner. He turned out to be quite... The nice guy, so it's fine. Okay, I was. Did you bully him? No. As a way to hide your feelings for him? I didn't have feelings for him. <laughs> Almost said my friend's name. Had feelings for him. <laughs> did she bully him? No, but she flirted a good game. Mm. Good job. Name redacted. All right, so let's <laughs> let's jump in. Let's, let's jump into how the show was made. Yeah, because it's quite an interesting tale. And uh, if you is it as old as time? No. Mm. Uh, but it, it it will take us on a you know a few places we've been before it will take in us media to made. A whole new world. <laughs> I've mentioned a few things that we've talked about already on media made. Okay. Yeah, some recurring characters. All right, American animator Craig Bartlett got his start in the industry working for Will Vinton Studios, which was known for its stop motion films and commercials. Bartlett worked on 1985's The Adventures of Mark Twain, 1986's Return to Oz, and the Pizza Hut Avoid the Noid cartoons. Do you, do you know about Avoid the Noid? It was like a, a a Pizza Hut promotion where the tagline was like, Avoid the Noid, uh, go to Pizza Hut. And the Noid was a personification of being annoyed. <laughs> it was like this little red character and like he would, I don't know if he was, he would annoy people, but like it was basically saying, get the stress out of ordering pizza. Don't be annoyed ordering pizza. You're not going to be annoyed when you order from Pizza Hut. <laughs> That's weird. It also feels very close to like the hangry um, campaign that Snickers has, or or the 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 talking mucus. Commercials. Oh yeah, yeah, Mucinex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Aflac, no. Aflac basically, the the Noid was a little claymation red creature, and Craig like... Bartlett worked on that. Uh, the 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 company he worked for also did the California Raisins. You yeah. remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, meanwhile, in 1986. 
a certain show called Pee-wee's Playhouse debuts and introduces a reoccurring claymation segment called Penny. Remember Penny from Pee-wee's Playhouse? We talked about Pee-wee's Playhouse in our 1986 television episode. And Jess is looking at me so angrily. I'm leaving you for this. <laughs> Why? You can finish this podcast by yourself. I have a wandered away. <laughs> Do you, do you remember no. Penny? So it was a claymation like small. You don't have to tell us. They remember and I don't want to remember. It was a claymation segment. It was a small cartoon thing. It was usually like 30 seconds long. And a little claymation girl named Penny. She had pennies for eyes. It was like a little girl explaining her life. I hate that. It's terrifying. It's like the worst part of Coraline. It, it's, I don't know. It was like just, just a little girl explaining her day or people in her life or what she did that day. That kind of thing. With money for... Ugh. Yeah, she just had a little penny. That was her eyeballs. No. Pennies. No. That's, no, I don't like it. So uh, these shorts were directed by British animator Nick Park, who was later known for Wallace and Gromit, uh, during Pee-wee's first season. But when production moved to Los Angeles for the second season, a new director was needed. And uh, who stepped up but Craig Bartlett. Bartlett. I just wanted to say Bartlett. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Bartlett got the job in 1987 and produced at least three penny shorts for the show. Uh, like I went to IMDb and uh, like he's listed as the director of three penny shorts, but there were old, there were more than that for that season and beyond. So he, he, he might've directed all of them in season two and beyond, or he directed three of the set. Don't know. All I know is IMDb credits him for three. Uh, he could have been directing more than that. He didn't want to be known to be on that show. It was a besmirchment upon his resume. No, he he did some interviews. Besmirchment. He was, he was he was very thankful to be working on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Gross. In the summer of 1988, Bartlett directed his first claymation short at his home animation stand. Uh, the short was titled "Arnold Escapes from Church," and it introduced a kid named Arnold with a football-shaped head. So Arnold goes to church was a claymation short, and it was about you know basically the Arnold we all know. With the football head. Right. Um, and it's just like him going to church with his parents, I presume. And then he gets bored and starts daydreaming. And it like lifts him up to go do some fanciful adventures. I can't remember if he's like flying or, you know, he's with the dinosaurs or whatever. But basically, that was the introduction of Arnold. Two things we never see in the show. Him going to church and him with parents. Yeah, this is not. <laughs> this is definitely not within the canon of the Hey Arnold TV show, but... This is the first Arnold. This is like proto-Arnold. Got it. Um, and then this short also introduced two like, other school children type characters within the Arnold universe. Those would be Harold and Helga. Okay. Arnold, Harold, and Helga were all there from the start. Two bullies and an Arnold. Basically. Uh, Bartlett directed two more Arnold shorts by 1991 titled The Arnold Waltz and Arnold Rides His Chair respectively rights rides his chair. So it's like Arnold in an armchair and the armchair like goes on its own magical adventures. Not my chair. <laughs> Not my chair. So that the, the Arnold rides his chair short was actually featured as a segment on Sesame street. Ah, yeah. Huh? Okay. So like, that's where most people would have probably saw Arnold for the first time was Sesame street. Like his shorts were shown at film festivals and other things, but on television, the first place where you could see Arnold was Arnold writes his chair on Sesame Street. Okay. Arnold also starred in a series of comic strips drawn by Bartlett that appeared in the Simpsons Illustrated magazine. 
The Simpsons had a magazine? Yo, The Simpsons was huge. Why did they have it? What was in the magazine? I don't know. Just like Simpsons stuff and apparently comic strips and probably like interviews and... Can we make a media made zine? I don't have time for that. <laughs> I can make a media made zine. If we'll you put want that a, behind a play payroll. <laughs> if you want a media made zine, let us know. Um, but yeah, like the, I, I I looked up some images of this Hey Arnold comic strip, and it's basically like Craig Bartlett coming up with all these ideas that would eventually become Hey Arnold the TV show. So it's really interesting. It's like hey, yeah, Arnold had been around for years by the time we all saw him mm-hmm. on Nickelodeon. Yeah. So he's older than we expected. He was actually born in 91. 90? Well, the first Arnold came out in 88. Arnold's older than me? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> okay, I need fan art of Ar- Arnold as a 34-year-old man. Oh, it exists. Stat. I, I can, I can, um, I, I've seen I pictures of like, as teens. Like, like they Rugrats all grown up. The, the Har- Arnold. The Har- <laughs> hey, Arnold. Arnold cast. <laughs> So, uh, by that time, Craig Bartlett was working as a story editor for the first season of the Nickelodeon cartoon, Rugrats, which we talked about for our 1991 TV episode. True, we did. Uh, Throughout the show's first three seasons, he also served as a writer and director. Um, So, that's how he got his foot in the door at Nickelodeon. I always wonder how, like, directing works for cartoons. Like, what does directing look like when it's a cart when it's not people when you get to just draw the things doing what you want rather than now i need to i need you to be in this mindset i think like for for a director of a tv show you're shaping the at least a cartoon tv show yeah like you're shaping what the episode like how the episode moves and looks and you're, you're kind of like you're the lead you know you're the guy in charge of that episode so you know, if you're, you're like this needs another frame here yeah yeah like you're you're in, probably instructing the animators and you know all those guys i don't know I mean, that that's what I would assume. Yeah. So in addition to that gig, Bartlett was also involved in several projects over the next few years for a wide variety of clients because like he was the stop motion guy. So he was constantly getting work doing stop motion. He worked for Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, Weird Al Yankovic, and the Spanish Basque government. What? He produced, like I looked it up, like he did like some, I think it was like a, either a feature film or a short film for like this independent government in Spain. Mm. Like there's this like locality in Spain that insists that they are their own sovereign government. Basque. Basque Mm -hmm. or Basque. It's Basque. (laughs) And uh, he made a, he made a film for them. Ah, where is it? Give it to me. I don't know. I I actually didn't look that one up, but (laughs) that was also the subject of some interviews that he had done. So that's interesting. He he seemed very thankful for the the opportunity. He was just like, yeah, I got to travel the world and do fun things. That does sound fun. So it's like good for him. Good job, Bartlett. Uh, Starting in 1993, Bartlett and a group of other Rugrats writers began developing and pitching ideas to Nickelodeon, but nothing stuck. Out of desperation, Bartlett showed Nick executives the Penny and Arnold shorts, and they expressed interest in Arnold. Ah. So you mean Penny could have gotten its own? Sh- yep, yep. Good job, Nickelodeon, by killing that in the river. That's a saying. <laughs> in 1994, Bartlett and his team developed a 10-minute traditionally animated pilot short called Arnold. Oh, no uh, hay, sans hay. Just, just Arnold. This short will be shown in theaters in 1996 before Nickelodeon's first feature film. Do you know what it was? Nickelodeon's first feature film. Wild Thornberries. No, the show wasn't even out yet in 96. um, Did we discuss this already? Maybe. It might have been one of your runners up. Snow Day. No. (laughs) 
Good Burger. No. Oh. It was Harriet the Spy. I really enjoyed Harriet the Spy. Yeah, I know. That's why it was like... It was one of my runners-up. Yeah. So, yeah, that basically, if you went to the theater to see Harriet the Spy, the, the movie was preceded by an animated short called Arnold. Cool. And that... I might have seen that, because I definitely saw Harriet the Spy in theaters. So you might have seen it. Huh. That pilot was then redone as an official episode segment of Hey Arnold. So basically, there's an episode of Hey Arnold called 24 Hours to Live, and it's essentially just the pilot, redone. Huh. You know, updated for you know the, the, the art style they eventually went with for the series. Uh, it was like Harold, uh, who's like a school bully, he gets embarrassed by Arnold while they're playing a stickball in the, in the street. Mm-hmm. And Harold basically says, like, I'm going to beat you up tomorrow. You've got 24 hours to live. And it's Arnold, like, freaking out over the next day. Oh, what am I going to do? Harold's going to beat me up tomorrow. <laughs> and, and that was the pilot. And that was an episode of Hey Arnold. Huh. When you said 24 hours to live, I distinctly remember Grandpa saying, I'm dying today. It's my 83rd birthday and we've all died at 83. That, that, was, also, that was an episode. That was late <laughs> in the series. And then and it was like, oh, Wait. I got counted wrong. I'm eighty. I'm I'm eighty two this year. Next year, next year, I'm dying. That, that was an episode. Grandpa Phil is ready to die. <laughs> Steely Dan. Wait, Steely Phil. Steely Phil. Steely Phil. By January 1995, the Arnold series was given the green light by Nick, and Hey Arnold was officially in production. Ah. And that is Hey Arnold. So we watched the first episode of Hey Arnold, the first aired episode. We've never seen any other episode. <laughs> we never watched a single lick of an episode together otherwise. It could, you know, it could be that, you know, after Jess and I got married, uh, we watched the entire series of Hey Arnold. When did we get married? Are we married? Yes. I do. Kids, do you see a ring on this finger? I do. Where? <laughs> Please point to me the ring that is on this finger. There is no ring on this finger. I would like to show the jury and the judge there is no ring on this finger. I don't know who you've been watching Hey Arnold with. <laughs> we watched every episode of Hey Arnold start to finish. Just, it was just... the longest six years of my life. <laughs> but we're going to talk about the first episode today. That's it. Uh-huh. Uh, so the first, so every every episode of Hey Arnold, or almost every episode, is divided into two segments. Mm. Two 11-minute f- t- segments. Nah. Uh, so the first episode, uh, the first segment of the first episode is called Downtown as Fruits. Hey, how far does this bus go anyway? What difference does it make? When it gets to the end of the line, we'll just ride it back again. The gurney is the destination, man. What's that mean? I'm not sure. I heard in the hippie movie. Hey, what's going on? Oh man, this is the end of the line. You and your hippie movies. Does this mean? Yeah, we're stuck downtown as fruits. Now what? Downtown as fruits. Which would have a very different connotation if that was the title of a show airing today. Yes. <laughs> I, I I don't know if that was meant as innuendo. Uh, if if it was, it's very unfortunate. But uh, yeah, you probably wouldn't just for the sake of. Uh, appearing above board yeah. <laughs> above reproach you wouldn't call your episode downtown as fruits nope but it literally the that that clip introduces those are our two main characters of this segment and the main character of the show arnold his namesake mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, with his best friend gerald yes yes and they rode the bus all the way downtown and now they're stuck downtown dressed as fruits yes they they look like fruit of the loom characters yes 
They are a banana and grapes. Uh, a strawberry. Grand Bram Glabber. <laughs> banana and strawberry. Uh, <laughs> Yo play yogurt. <laughs> no. Um, Danables. Not sponsored. Yeah, Arnold is dressed like a banana, and Gerald is dressed like a strawberry. And why are they dressed like fruits? Because they have a school play to attend. Okay, let's pick it up from the dance of the vegetables. A five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Not so fast. Come on, Helga. We know our lines. You know your lines? Of course you know your lines. But I don't want to just hear your lines. I want to hear what's in your souls! Do vegetables have souls? That audience expects food with feelings, and that's what we're going to give them. So yes, school play, and uh, you heard another key character in that clip, Helga G. Pataki. Helga G. Pataki. She is uh, in charge of, I guess, organizing and directing this school play. Yes, there are no adults in this room. That's true. There, there, there really aren't any adults like in this school stuff at all. For this first episode. Yeah. Also, she said she wrote everything. She this did. This is to be her Magnus Open. It's a school play about the the food groups. Yes. How many food? Five food groups? Why are you quizzing me? I, I, I honestly do, do I not remember. Do I look like a healthy person? <laughs> Why would I know what groups food go in? They go in my mouth. I'm, I'm feeling you. Unless it's bell peppers, because gross. So, yeah, it's like all the kids are dressed up like the different food groups. You got kids dressed up like meats and wheats and uh, breads, dairy. Helga's dressed like a like a, a carton of milk. Yes. And then why buy the milk when you can get the Helga? Boya, <laughs> <laughs> oh what does that even mean? I don't want to know. <laughs> um, and they're the vegetables, of course. But Arnold and Gerald are supposed to be the fruits. Yes. For this school play, mm-hmm. and uh, as you can tell in that that clip we just played, Helga's quite, she's strong arming the other kids. She's very, very overbearing because like in, in the first several episodes, Helga is meant to be like this school bully type character. Mm. Like she's always mean and angry and bossy yeah. and bratty. Correct. How old are these kids? They are in fourth grade. Mm. How old are these kids? Ten? Nine. Is, is that nine? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I guess it depends on... No, no. Nine. Nine? Yeah, if they're in America, nine. It's about right. Yeah. And, and, and with the, like, it's kind of funny. So, um, this, the, the first scene of this episode is what I just played. Helga telling the other kids how she wants this play to go. Right. And all the other kids are miserable. And I, and as Jess alluded to earlier, I was like, the show's about her from the very start. Mm-hmm. Because Helga is low-key the main character of this show. Yeah. She's the secret main character because most of the episodes revolve around her. Yes, in some way, shape, or form. It's it's funny, like, as the series goes on, Arnold is, like, a constant. Mm-hmm. Like, he never really changes or grows or needs to because he's, like, the moral compass for everyone in the town. Sometimes he's the heel. Sometimes. There are times where we're like, Arnold, no. It, but it, in those episodes, he's, it seems out of character. Nah. Like, there's one episode where Arnold... Uh, he like gets in with the bad, like a bad crowd. Like he mm-hmm. starts hanging out with like a teenager or something. Yeah. Wears a leather or, jacket. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, he thinks I'm cool. You know, I, Gerald, you don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, becomes a bad boy for a while before he snaps out of it. Oh, or the episode where they try to get rid of Mr. Stevens, Mr. Mr. Simmons. Maybe it's Mr. Simmons. He's like all in. He's, it's not like, oh, well, like it's all the kids being really rude to Mr. Simmons. So, uh, other than those few exceptions, Arnold is really just a constant moral compass for the rest of the show. So, 
you need another main character who's there to, I don't know, learn things and overcome uh, character flaws. And that's Helga's role in a lot of ways. Yeah. But this first episode is very standard, bully, overbearing character. Yeah. Okay, here's the deal. I want every kid here a half an hour early so we can do another run-through. If anybody's late, they're going to have to answer to old Betsy. That's her fist. Now, can I just say something about this moment? Is Helga being a little bit much? Yes. Yes. But as a person who has produced several shows with artists involved, she's not going overboard. The amount of times that I've just had to cut acts because they weren't listening to us. Like, you want to make the producer mad? I don't need you to fill my my time slot. I will move things around. Goodbye now. You never threaten them with violence, though. That is violence when I <laughs> represent their screen time. When I represent the amount of, like, let's be honest, right? Like, after those things, the amount of times people come up and talk to, like, the performing artist and stuff. I know, I'm getting off topic. So I'm just saying... She yelled at Arnold because he was daydreaming and not doing his lines. Then she goes to go through it one more time. Bell rings and everyone's ready to get out there. They were probably all all over the place. Y'all, I would have said get here two hours ahead of time. Tell your parents to drop you off. And if you're not here, we're going to have a problem. And that's what happens. Yes. So the Helga is obviously on everyone's nerves. And she says, everyone's got to get here an hour before the show so we can rehearse again. And Gerald and Arnold, they're dressed up like fruits and they're heading off to the uh, the school by themselves on the bus that, because intercity. That was like, that's that's what the show was. Yeah. All the kids got on the bus in the morning. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, and they have a moment where they're like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to this show. It's embarrassing. Yeah. We're dressed as a banana. You know, I don't want to do this. And so they there's a scene where Arnold and Gerald are like, well, what happens if we just don't? get off on our stop. Mm-hmm. What happens if we just go to the next stop or the next stop? What happens if we just ride the bus all the way to the end of the line? What's going to happen? And that's what they do. <laughs> Let's find out for science. And they ride all the way to the end of the line. They get to the bus station downtown and now they're stuck there because there's no bus going back home. Yes. And that is more or less the heart <laughs> of this segment is Arnold and Gerald stuck downtown Without any money, without any... Uh, I mean, they don't have not... They, they aren't penniless for long because the people downtown are sure are nice. Arnold, this is serious. We're stuck downtown. I'm a strawberry. And we don't have any money. There you go. What's this? You know what it is. Just take it. Wow, people downtown sure are friendly. This random car, this shady car, drives by and throws them a bag of cash. Kids, lesson for Monty. Don't put your fingerprints on that bag. Walk away. (laughs) They're kids. They don't know. Kids, I need you to listen to me very clearly now. Hands in the air. Walk away. Do not put your prints on the bag. Do not get caught with the bag. I'm just saying, a friend told me this. So that that's not what happens. They pick up that money and start spending it like crazy. But this is something that, this is one of the things that I appreciate about Hey Arnold and this episode in particular. I like this, something, it seems very, uh, 
there's something very like exciting and engaging about the the portrayal of the inner city life that I had never experienced growing up where I grew up, you know? Like, I've never got on a city bus and said, oh, what happens if we drive to the end of the line? I've probably gotten on a city bus, like, less than... I, I can count as many times as I've been on a city bus on my hands. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... I've never done that. Yeah. Just not something I did. So, to see it portrayed in the show was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. It was, it was it, it appealing. Yeah. So, uh... And then to see what like city life was through the eyes of these kids was interesting. I like even now I like watching this episode and seeing like the seedy underbelly of the city, mm-hmm. but through the kids' eyes because it's it's not so much dangerous. It's just silly, you know, and almost like I don't know, like cool and different. Milkshakes for everyone. Because you find out that the 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 car that drives by and hands them a wad of cat or a bag of cash, it was like. I don't even like like criminals of some kind. Yes. Low lives uh, who like it, the, the signal it, it's like a handoff of like stolen cash or something. Yeah. So like the guy in the car was supposed to hand off the stolen cash to two of his associates dressed up like a strawberry and a banana. Yes. <laughs> and hey, Arnold, you know, <laughs> it's just called hey, Arnold. <laughs> Arnold and Gerald, they're dressed as a banana and a strawberry and they get the cash first and then they take off and they're like, cool, we're going to spend some money. And, the, the the real criminals show up dressed as a banana and a strawberry. And so I'm like, I like that the show has low lives and criminals in its main cast. It's, it's like these guys show up again in other episodes yeah. as like, you know, gamblers or... Pirate thieves or like treasure yeah, thieves. Yeah, counterfeit, counterfeiters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- it's just a thing that this show has. Mm-hmm. Like no other cartoon on, on TV at the time for kids had, I don't know, like dangerous criminals in a, yeah. com- in a, you know, portrayed as comedy goofs. Yeah. Not like this. No, 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 not like this. Because I, like, one, Powerpuff Girls hadn't started yet. And two, like, their recurring v- villains are still very cartoonish. Like, these, like, feel a lot more grounded in yeah. the, like, yeah, that's a thing that would happen. Well, maybe not dressing up as a strawberry and a banana. But that's a, th- yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe don't, mm, maybe don't get, maybe don't go that far downtown. Without supervision. Yeah, there, there's one episode that was just straight up like murder mystery where Arnold and Gerald come across like a ransom note, like hidden. It was like a tape or a tree or something. They find it and it's like they think that there's this conspiracy to commit a murder against some like yeah. guy at the docks. And, uh, you know, so they're trying to solve this mystery. And It was and the Mr. Green's party, right? It was a it was a party. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 finally get to the docks where they think that, you know, someone's going to get whacked by the mob. <laughs> and it turns out that it's just a surprise birthday party. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just stuff like that. Yeah. They're, they're showing, I don't know, like a, the dark side of the city that, mm-hmm. you know, you expect to see in, you know, like a downtown urban center, there's going to be crime in danger, but it's done through the eyes of like kids. Yeah. That being said, um, they let these kids into a bar. Not a pool hall. I don't care what you say. It wasn't a billiards hall. They let these kids, these nine-year-old kids in a bar. They do. <laughs> um, and the, the, Arnold and Gerald, immediately, they start spending the money that they got. Yes. Uh, they they buy new clothes. They dress up like hippies mm-hmm. or like disco dudes. Mm, doo-wops? Isn't it? Beatniks? Uh, beatniks? Yes. Arnold looks a bit like a beatnik. Yes. Gerald? Uh, doo-wops. <laughs> I was like, it's two sounds. Beatnik, doo-wop, same thing. 
Ger Gerald kind of looks like he's, you know, out, out of the 70s disco yeah. era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go to a, like a billiards hall and they're they're buying sodas and they're playing pool and I was like, yeah, that's that's some kid escapism." Yeah. To be able to do that kind of stuff, but But then they have to escape. Why? Dum dum dum. Because the criminals that they took the money from, whether they knew it or not, are here in the billiards hall. What do you mean you gave it to the wrong banana? Um, what does this other banana look like? You know, uh, kind of small, kind of yellow, uh, banana shoes, uh, just like those. Hey! Hey, you two! These grown men are chasing after two children to do them bodily harm. Yes, which again, you you don't you wouldn't think you'd see in a kids show. Yeah, but you did. Still entertaining. Yeah, that was another thing I liked about Harold is like they used the city as like a physical environment, you know, mm -hmm. as a kid would, right? If a kid's running from bullies or uh, you know grown men, <laughs> you know, trying to do them harm, uh, what's a kid gonna do? He's gonna run through alleyways. He's gonna duck underneath fences and mm -hmm. jump over fences and you know, hide in trash cans or, you know. Yeah. Like the little nooks and crannies that you, that I don't know, as a kid you'd think to yeah. get around. Yeah. That, that's what I, I think like, Hey Arnold did this a lot where they used the city. There's like almost like this, I don't know, underground, like unseen network of, of, of like network to move around in, to, you know, mobilize around the city mm -hmm. that, you know, you wouldn't think of as an adult, right? Yeah. It's because, yeah, we should walk on the sidewalk. But it's like, no, the kids are like going up, uh, what, what do you, uh, fire, fi escapes? fire escapes and running on roofs and, mm -hmm. you know, d ducking through alleyways. It's like, I don't know. That, that stuff was cool to me. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> if I had stamina and I was smaller, I'd be parkouring all over the place like these children. They, they go in the sewers a lot. <laughs> they do. I wouldn't be doing that. No. Because as an adult, gross. But it's like, that's, it, unlike a, a show set on like the, you know, near, near the wilderness, it's like, where are kids going to explore if they live in the city? You know, like, they're going to explore the sewers. They're going to explore the, the city park. Diseases live in the Yeah, it's sewers. gross, but they, you know, that's, it's a cartoon. You get to live vicariously through these characters. Kids, don't go in sewers. One of my favorite episodes of Hey Arnold was, it was like this tradition where fi the fifth graders every year would uh, trash can the fourth graders. They'd, they'd like, all the fifth graders would basically chase the fourth graders down, pick them up and throw them into trash cans. Mm -hmm. I think it was, it was called Trash Day or Garbage Day or something like that. Garbage Day? Garbage Day. <laughs> <laughs> but that episode was almost like a, a sneaking mission for Arnold and his friends where they had to sneak... From it's almost like, like the Warriors. You ever seen the Warriors? Yes. Basically, the the idea is you got to go from point A to point B in a city in an mm -hmm. urban environment. So they're trying to get from their school to Arnold's boarding house. Right. And so they're like, you know, like I said, going through alleyways and fire escapes and through like abandoned buildings and stuff like that. That stuff sounded so cool to me as a kid mm -hmm. because you you'd think like, what would you do in those situations if you were being hunted down? And the idea was to get from point A to point B in your neighborhood. What would you do? That stuff was cool to me. Yeah, no, it is cool. It's like, did, did you used to play like cops and robbers or anything like that as a kid? Where you, the, the goal was to get from point A to point B and uh, like your friends were hunting you down? Nope. I didn't like tag was the closest that we would come to that. We wouldn't really play like group hide and I didn't even know that like a group 
thing like that was available or was something that could do until one of my friends was like, have you ever played Fugitive at night? And I'm like, what? What is this? Yeah. Like, no, I haven't. We didn't do it a lot. Like we did it like sometimes. Like we, we, my parents didn't let me like branch out past the neighborhood too far. Um, but I remember one time, I think it was like my first year of college, we all had licenses and like we went to this kid's birthday party. Kid, this guy's <laughs> birthday party that he had, and what we did was we just like, okay, six of us are gonna get in our cars with giant high beam flashlights, and the rest of you guys. The point of the game is to get from the house to is like the the middle school, like seven blocks away. <laughs> and if a guy with the car sees you and flashes his high beam flashlight at you, uh, you you lose, or you know you mm-hmm. you have to come in the car and help. That kind of thing. So it was like yeah. this crazy game of tag or cops and robbers. Fun. And that was cool because like we're sort of like hey Arnold. We're, you know, hopping over fences and yeah. hiding in bushes and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm an adult now. I can't do stuff like that. But Let me pitch Running Man to you again. <laughs> it's the same thing. I think... I like I think the thing that's really cool about watching this in this episode is that like it reminds me that you know like we're all still kids in some level but legit I there's no adult that I know that wouldn't want to like watching something like this and like really talking about it like logistically not want to yeah. like let's let's have a get let yo let's have a get let's have a media made night let's just let's just host something with our friends let's just be like point a point b who's gonna be on what team let's do it don't do anything illegal Excuse me, how many times do you do think <laughs> illegal things, sir? I try to get not to. Into thi- <laughs> I try not to. <laughs> we we are admitting nothing on this podcast. Okay, so Arnold and Gerald, like, they're running from these criminals, and they where do they hide? They, they, Dumpster? They, no, no, they end up they end up running into an establishment. Oh yeah, they get their palms red or something. They they like show up at a psychic palm reader named the Great Zamboni. Uh, I'm Arnold. This is Gerald. Wait, wait, you're, you're Arnold and Gerald. Good guess. Ah, Zamboni Jones does not guess. He knows. You have come to me with a problem. Yeah, we came downtown and at first everything was great. But now it's all gone wrong. There is a disturbance in your karmic energy field. That's another thing about the show is like I've never in my life been to a fortune teller ever, but I always see the signs like, you know, near our downtown of like, you know, get your palm red tarot cards. Yeah. With like bright neon mm-hmm. lights. So that just seems like a very city thing to do. Yeah. They, they roll in there and it's like this kind of like this big con man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he mentions the karmic energy field. Uh, that sets up because, I mean, it's a kid's show, and I think maybe they felt the need that you got to teach the kids a lesson. <laughs> that hookie is not worth a cookie. You got you got to be honest, you know, with your commitments. and uh, Got to be dependable. It, Ar- Arnold is the one who, who wakes up to this. Arnold feels guilty for leaving Helga and her play high and dry. Yeah. Is there someone you have harmed in the past? Hmm? Someone you have wronged? My play! My play! My beautiful play! Nope. Can't think of a soul. Gerald, you've got to be kidding. Think of Helga and her play, and all the kids back at school that were letting down. What's the point? 
Come on. We've got a karmic energy field to fix. Bye, Mr. Jones. Thanks. Hey! Where's my 350? It's literally the only time they didn't give someone money. <laughs> yeah, right? They had a big old lot of cash. They could have <laughs> paid him. Uh, they, they paid the cab ride to get back to the school. Yep. Uh, yep, so that is the quintessential Arnold. Arnold is mostly, most cases, Arnold's the one with the heart of gold, with the good moral compass, mm -hmm. who is there to help other kids with their problems. Yeah. It becomes like a running joke later in the series where like people will come to Arnold for advice. Like, Arnold, you're always helping people. Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and then like, he'll give them advice and they're like, no, I hate that. And he's like, okay. <laughs> Bye. So Arnold slowly <laughs> fades out as the star of the show, and that's his role, is to, like, provide advice to troubled characters. He's the dad friend. He is very much like a, a dad leader of yeah. the pack type, type guy. Technically, the term is mom friend. He's the mom friend. <laughs> yep. So they, the, the, the episode wraps up where Arnold and Gerald, they hop into a cab with their giant wad of cash, get all the way to go back to school so that they can right their wrongs and help out with the play. Yep. And that is where the first portion ends. Well, not exactly, because oh. it also, so in, in, a, in a rare thing for this show, uh, the episode ends with a song. It's fruits, it's fruits, that really makes us toots. It's fruits, it's fruits, that give us all a hoop. It's not like other fruit groups aren't important. few things about that clip uh the, hey arnold is not a show that has musical numbers traditionally i could think of like two including this one mm -hmm. the only other song is uh they sing i was sailing along to <laughs> moonlight bay oh uh, yeah. and they, there's like there's a dino spumoni songs, that's right there's but a, they're not musical that's it, like diegetic i guess is a frank sinatra uh <laughs> stand-in in the show named Dino Spumoni. He has original songs. But yeah, there's not a lot of music. The kids don't sing all that often. Yeah. Um, also, you heard at the end there, Helga's... Crush. Yeah. The secret crush. So Helga Pataki, in addition to being a bully, uh, the, the truth is that she's a bully only because she has a huge crush on Arnold and she is trying to push him away. If I ever get my hands on that Arnold, I'll... his fevered brow. Oh, my poor lost sweetheart. How I love you. And yet I hate you. And yet I love you. And yet I hate you. And yet I love you. They got it in the first episode. The very first episode. This show it knew exactly what it was and knew exactly how to handle this type of Helga scene. Because this type of scene is repeated over and over again. It's like a running gag in the show. Helga, who you know, she kind of steps away from everybody, um, and she says, like, I hate Arnold so much, but I love him. And she pulls out a heart-shaped locket with his picture in it, and she, like, waxes poetic about how much she loves Arnold. Well, what's your favorite line that she says? I can't. It's gross. Arnold makes No, me no, <laughs> no. Like... 
with that, kids, you're suffering this too because this is a podcast. So you're hearing the like breathy grossness, not just brainy, deep mouth breathing into your ears, but like even at the end, Arnold. Oh, and I'm like, that's a child. That voice actress is a child. And the character is a child, and I don't like it in my ears. And then, at some point in the series, she says, Arnold, you make my girlhood quiver. And that's not tremble. a- Tremble. Somebody wrote, somebody wrote that. You make my girlhood tremble. Stop. Stop. <laughs> stop that. But yeah, so Helga will, you know, talk about her secret feelings for Arnold, and that's a very big part of the series. It's like you know probably- I'm the- all about that bass. That bass. No tremble. It's the most um, important relationship in the series, probably. And then as she is, like, secretly, you know, saying all these, you know, lovely things about Arnold, a weird character named Brainy will start breathing behind her, and he'll just show up. Like, he's always stalking her and, like, is always there watching her, and she'll punch him in the face. Yes. She always punches him in the face because he's getting too close, and he knows her secret. Yes. But he never says anything, even though he's abused by her. He's got a kink. He he's into Helga. I think that's the the secret part of the series. Gross. Did you were you ever mean to a boy that you had a crush on? No, I stopped. Other though. than me today, <laughs> you've very much been a Helga today. Okay, excuse me. <laughs> much like Helga, I need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Helga does need Helga therapy. Helga does need therapy. You know, I always like. I think like it's such an interesting trope having Helga be that way because there's you know like that saying like if a boy pulls your hair he likes you. Hey kids, female listeners out there, don't let boys get away with being abusive and rude and say that that means they like you. That's incorrect. It's inappropriate. It's super inappropriate, and it's still inappropriate when the girl does it. Like just all the things. Like you twerp you face you football football head head. like excuse me i'm sensitive about the way i look i'm sure a prepubescent little boy is also sensitive about especially when he has a best friend as smooth as gerald i'm just saying let's be honest not okay you're just trying to neg him enough to be into you helga and that's not okay but if we talk about your family life we can see why you think that's necessary i'm sorry baby girl Helga comes from a very abusive family. Oh my family gosh, life. I hate the Pataki so much. Big Bob Pataki is a, a loud mouth, uh, verbally abusive man. Who has neglectful. an obvious favorite child. And then uh, her mother is a drunk. Yes, Miriam is a day drinker and is constantly drunk. You don't see her sober. She's sleeping. <laughs> the one time you see her sober is when they're on a car trip. Yes. And, because and- she's driving. And, and Miriam has, she, you know, connects with Helga a bit more. But yeah, that, that's when the series slowly becomes more of a Helga show than an Arnold show. Because you can do more with Helga's character. Yeah. I don't know. You can play around with it more. Where Arnold, as a character, is just helping other people. Yeah. But uh, I think that is, that's it for the first segment of <laughs> this first episode. Do you forget that we had a whole bunch of, I was sitting here, I was like, we're spending a lot of time on this. Yeah, we are. This is going to be a long episode. So the second segment is called Eugene's Bike. Am I seeing thing? Nope, that's Eugene, all right. And he's riding a really cool bike. What'd you do, rob a bike store? (laughs) No, it's Flag Day and my family exchanges gifts. All my life I've wanted a bike like this. Look at it. Look at it, you guys. 
That is the voice of Eugene, the school jinx. Yes. I would also like to call this early. We are definitely going to have um, Hey Arnold as a runner-up, if not the thing for the... Uh, what, is, what is that for the QQs that we have? The, oh, the, the Inside Joke the Award. The Inside Joke Award. <laughs> yeah. We quote Eugene a lot. I'll get it in a second. Um, so th- this is another like stock... Or stock episode type for Hey Arnold, where mm-hmm. basically the focus is on a particular schoolmate of Arnold. Right. Uh, and Arnold dealing with that character's problems. So this episode stars Eugene, and it deals with his his bike and does his Eugene bad luck. Does Eugene have a last name? I don't know. My brain wanted to say Fitzwilliam, does. but that's not Jewish. <laughs> it might be. Eugene's not Jewish. Are you sure? Harold is. Harold is Jewish. I just bring it up because there's like a it's a multicultural class. Like they legitimately have um, like lots of different celebrations and cultural things in the story in the many different plots that the show takes. And it's just it's it's nice to see. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, not like badly caricaturized. Then that's the it's good it's thing. all yeah. His he he goes to school with all types of kids. Yes, and it it reminded me of my 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 elementary school. Like my, all of my classes were very diverse. You know, I had, you know, Asian friends and black friends and, 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 you know, Middle Eastern friends and it was just all, it was, there was nothing strange about it. Mm-hmm. Like we all learned different things about each other, you know? Yeah. Um, the, 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 the series deals with like people from different classes. Like mm-hmm. there's the very rich Rhonda yeah. Willington or whatever. Rhonda <laughs> Lloyd. Her name's Rhonda Lloyd. Her name is Rhonda Lloyd. Uh, and, uh, there's, they even deal with like body diversity, you know, yeah. there's Big Patty and. Little Phoebe and Chocolate Boy. <laughs> and there's Stinky, who's very poor. <laughs> Stinky comes from the country. <laughs> um, Just a simple country boy. I was reading that um, for the supporting characters, Craig Bartlett drew influences from his own childhood. Quote, a lot of characters are an amalgam of people I knew when I was a kid. The girls in Hey Arnold are girls that I either liked or didn't like when I was in school. Hey, Maria. Get over here. That was definitely a relationship he had, and I will hear nothing different. An older girl that he had a crush on? <laughs> no, he was the guy calling Maria. And um, all, also, I was reading that Hey Arnold was Nickelodeon's first animated series to feature kids voiced by actual children instead of adults. Oh, okay. So all the kids are voiced by real kids. Nice. Arnold, Gerald, everybody. And then um, as the, the show went on, many of the boy characters, including Arnold himself... Uh, had to be recast at least once throughout the show's run due to the child actors reaching puberty. Yep. So there were like four or five different Arnolds throughout the series. Yep. And this first one's pr- like, for a lot of people, the first one's probably the most iconic. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I feel like the first three do a pretty good job. Like they all do sound different when you hear them back to back. But like when you just watch a random episode of Arnold, it's just like, yeah, that's Arnold. Yeah. When we watch them back to back, it would just be like we'd end an episode, next episode. Who's who's this kid? Yeah, they're just like, <laughs> oh, new Arnold, I guess. Um, but let's go back to Eugene and his bike. Right. Shiny red frame with little specks of metallic stuff in the paint. Lots of gears so I don't have to pump hard when I'm going up a hill. Big, thick tires so I can run over glass. It's the one thing I've wanted more than anything else. More than incredible wealth. More than world peace. It's my dream bike, you guys. My dream bike. And I finally got it. And what happens to it? First, I want to say, tires so thick they can run over broken glass. That is very much an inner city thing. Like, don't, um, don't tempt fate, Eugene. 
nothing happens to the bike. They go, they, 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 he's very, a very kind boy. So he lets all the school kids ride it. That's not what happens. Arnold accidentally knocks into the street and then it gets destroyed by a street cleaner. Yep. <laughs> and Eugene's distraught. No, 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 please. No, not my bike. No, no, please. Not my bike. Man, no, I feel terrible no, about this, Gerald. Look, Arnold, it wasn't your fault. Stuff like this always happens to the geeky kids. And of all the kids in the school, Eugene's gotta be the geekiest. So poor Eugene gets his bike broken by the street sweeper because Arnold indirectly knocked into it. Yeah. Like he just like bent down to tie his shoe, I think. And it knocked into one bike on the bike rack and all the bikes got knocked over. And Eugene's just so happened to roll into the street. Yeah. Um, That's Eugene gets kind of flanderized later in the series where like his one trope is he's extremely unlucky. Yeah. And he's constantly getting hurt. And like that's a. Like his catchphrase is always, I'm okay. Yeah. Though I would say, it's a rude catch all. Gerald is like, don't feel bad, Arnold. He's a geek. Therefore, bad things happen to him. That's why, like, everyone around Arnold has flaws, and Arnold is the one with the, the heart of gold. Because mm-hmm. Arnold, he's like, no, I want to help Eugene. Yeah. I feel bad for hurting, you know, destroying his dream bike. Yeah. So he spends the rest of the episode trying to make it up to him. Um, it doesn't work. What, what, what the, the first thing he does to make up for what he did to Eugene, what does he do? He takes the pieces of the bikes and tries to put it back together. Wow, Arnold. It's beautiful. Thanks. It is kind of nice, isn't it? Nice? Heck, it's better than ever. You didn't have to do this, Arnold. Yeah, but I wanted to. Wow, Arnold. You're a pal. I'm going to take it for a ride right now. Have a good ride, Eugene. Oh, hey, Abner. What you got there? The brake cable? The brake cable? Eugene, without the brake cable on his bike, then rolls down a hill and hits a... Does he... He hits He hits a car, right? Or like a car's open door. I can't remember. Maybe something like that. And then that. flies into a manhole or yeah. something. And that's where you get... I think that's the first... I, I didn't grab it, but I think that's the first... I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh. He wasn't okay. He went to the hospital. He did. And Arnold shows up at the hospital to try and make it up to him there. Hey, Eugene. Oh, hi, Arnold. Thanks for coming. Listen, Eugene, I'm really sorry. What do you mean, Arnold? You didn't do anything. It's just something that happened, that's all. Well, I brought you some candy to make it up to you. Oh, that's nice of you, Arnold, but really, you didn't have to. Here, let me help you with that. Arnold just keeps, like, bumping into things near the hospital bed and, like, messing with his... What do you call that? Where you have your you have your leg bandaged bandaged up, or in a, a cast, cast, and it's being lifted up. I have no idea. By the hospital bed, like there's like a little. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know the technical term for it. It's like a little hook that's you know keeps ele- it elevated. Yeah, elevating the leg, and Arnold keeps bumping into it and like messing. It's like and folding him in half with a bed. No nurses come in when his heart rate starts skyrocketing, by the way. And he's like, Arnold, Terrible hospital. Arnold, just just sit over there. Just yeah. Sit over there, Arnold. <laughs> sit in the corner away from everything. And then Arnold's like, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, never mind. I'm going to leave. And I'm going to like make the best day you've ever had. Because he sits and he reminisces about like uh, about all the times Eugene has like gotten hurt or bad stuff has happened to him. And there's been a common factor in everything. Arnold indirectly. Arnold indirectly caused the suffering to Eugene. 
Last yes. name unknown. It's like all the way back to when they were like little babies in preschool. Yeah. And um, so Arnold like has this, he's just like super guilty. So he shows up at Eugene's house the next day and says, I'm, I'm going to make this up to you, my friend. We're going on a date. Listen, Eugene, I just want you to know I'm sorry for everything. The teeter-totter, the crab, the paste. Huh? I don't know what you're talking about. But I figured out a way to pay you back. I'm going to take you out for one full day where nothing bad happens at all. One entire day of just you and me having non-stop, full-on, action-packed fun. Gee, Arnold, that sounds neat. Great. I'll be here to pick you up the first thing tomorrow morning. They do not have... Several bad things happen. Yeah. Because it's a montage at that point. And yeah. It's just like... What, what do they do? Uh, they get hot dogs. Eugene chokes on hot dog. They go uh, see the land uh, the in the bay with one of those like um, binoculars that are on a pier. And it's loose. So when Eugene looks in, he falls in into the water. Um, they... They go to a baseball game. And I think Eugene gets hit with the ball. Well, yeah, like straight ball. in his eye. Um, at some point, he's just throwing up. That might be at the very end. Yeah, at the very end, like he they 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 take a. I think they took like a ferry ride or something, and he just gets motion sickness. Yeah, and Arnold is like still very guilty for all the bad things that happened to Eugene. But you know, Eugene has good spirits, and I think this is where Arnold realizes, like, no, Arnold, you're a good person in this world of horrible people. No, Eugene. I'm really sorry. All I wanted to do was pay you back for all the trouble I've caused you. Everything just seems to go wrong. I guess this wasn't such a good day after all. Are you kidding me, Arnold? I ate hot dogs in the park. I almost caught a home run ball hit by Studs McGee. I watched the sunset on the river. And I even got to swim in the river. By accident, sort of. I had a great time. You know... Nobody's ever done anything like this for me before. A few things about that clip. One, the music is amazing. Uh, all of the music in the show is composed by Jim Lang. And that's something that we we took note of when we first watched this pilot, or the, sorry, this first episode. We were like, wow, the music in the show is so jazzy and yeah. smooth. Uh, you, don't, you didn't hear that kind of stuff on any other TV show, I didn't feel like. So yeah. that, that that's something I really enjoy about these early Arnold episodes. Mm -hmm. is music is very important. And like the music never gets bad, but like this jazzy saxophone led uh, soundtrack score goes away yeah. later in the series. So I also think that early in you still hear, you hear a lot of city sounds a lot more. Like you hear like trains and or buses and stuff when they're like walking by stuff. Yeah. There's a, the, the sound quality, uh, the sound engineering of the first season, the early of the first season is really excellent. I think that they wanted to give the show that feel. Yeah. It's like they really wanted to set you in this unnamed American city. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that city, uh, I looked it up. I was like, is this based on any city in particular? San Fran, Tokyo. It is an amalgam of large northern cities that Craig Bartlett loved, including Seattle, which was his hometown, Portland, where he went to art school, and Brooklyn. Just because Brooklyn has a look. Yeah. So like the bridge, the subway. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Definitely can see that. And then and then with that, that also with that clip, like with Eugene's little speech there, I, I, I don't know if it's there to teach Arnold a lesson. Or if it's just there to, like, reinforce Arnold's, like, good nature. I don't know. I think it could probably be seen as a, like, we need to look at things, like, perspective. 
perspective is an important thing. Yeah. You know, like as much as we're like, oh, Eugene's so pitiful and bad things happen. He's like, yeah, but you're forgetting the the good things that like I really enjoyed. Like I went to a baseball game with my friend. I got hit in the eye, but that was one moment that was like five seconds out of the whole thing. He bought me lunch. Yeah, I choked on it a little bit, but free lunch. <laughs> Eugene always has a good outlook on life. Yeah. He's always very optimistic. Yeah. So I, I think maybe that that's what they were trying to teach kids. Probably. I don't know. Either way, I was like uh And to try and to be kind. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't necessarily think this segment was like the best ever. Like mm-hmm. there are better Eugene episodes. Yeah. Um and there are definitely better episodes where Arnold helps a friend with problems. But I think this is a good starting point. Like you get to see where the series goes on from here with other kids. Like it's always something. It's like a classmate has an issue. Arnold helps them with that issue, mm-hmm. whether whoever it is. Yeah. And uh, I think that's basically the first episode of Hey Arnold. Yeah. Um, did you like it? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it was a good episode. It's better than I. I think it. The show knew exactly what it wanted to be from the very start. So mm-hmm. I think it's very strong first episode, and that it establishes the tone, um, and the format, and the characters, and you know it sets up for I, I think a pretty good show moving forward. Yeah, not enough boarding house, but fine. Yeah, that was there's a few things that we didn't get to see. We don't get to see Arnold's home life, which is another very important part of the show because mm-hmm. Arnold lives at a boarding house. Yeah, and. All of his, te- all the tenants that live there are all this crazy, wacky cast of characters. Right. And just like where Arnold helps his schoolmates with their problems, Arnold also helps his neighbors with theirs. Helping grown, a- grown, grown adults, yeah, with marriage problems and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Work problems and getting the getting the uh, the local butcher a uh, a job in politics. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Isn't there a, a secret Russian living there too? There's a there's a secret agent named Mr. Smith, and that's only I think that he's like a only one real episode about him. Yeah, where it's like this like undercover CIA agent type guy who you never see. He only wears a bowler hat. You only see his hat. You don't, <laughs> and he has like you know secret cameras everywhere. Yeah. But hey, how was Hey Arnold received by the public and by the critics? Tell me now. Hey Arnold maintained high ratings throughout its run and was consistently the second highest rated children's show on cable behind Rugrats. Ah, okay. So Rugrats was number one. Hey Arnold was number two. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Uh, While contemporary reviews are scarce, Hey Arnold is today held in high esteem among critics. Because all the critics are millennials. Yes. (laughs) Vanity Fair said, quote, it's hard to think of a children's show with a bigger heart than Hey Arnold. Uh, Screen Rant said... In particular, it was refreshing to see a show with so many emotional nuances embedded in it, especially when it came to Helga's feelings for Arnold. And the Christian-based Decent Films said that Hey Arnold, quote, manages to keep its low-key, kid-friendly tone while still turning in episodes that are entertaining and even witty. So, you know, everyone had nice things to say about Arnold. Nice, because Arnold was a bold kid. There's only nice things to say about him. Uh, The show and its cast have been nominated for several... Casting Society of America Awards, Young Artist Awards, and Kids' Choice Awards. Uh, in particular, Francesca Marie Smith, who played Helga, won the Young Artist Award for Best Performance in Voiceover, TV, or Film, Young Actress in 1998. Uh, composer Jim Lang won an ASCAP Film and Television Music Award in 2004. And the episode Save the Tree won an Environmental Media Award in 1998. Oh, okay. It was an episode where Arnold tries to save a neighborhood tree. <laughs> 
that they have a treehouse in. Good job. <laughs> and uh, what is the legacy of Hey Arnold? What is it? Tell me. So Hey Arnold ran for five seasons of 100 episodes. 100 straight. Syndication. Yep. Uh, though production officially ended in 2001, new episodes of the show continued to air until 2004. And that was a weird time because that was right around where I stopped watching. Like right around 2004, I was out of Nickelodeon. I was mm-hmm. getting phased out. But I always came back for new Arnold. But it was like they would just randomly drop new <laughs> episodes of Arnold. Like it's like, hey, we got one new episode. And that's it for a year. Yeah. Six months. And now the rest are reruns again. Like, why you do this, though? Yeah, I was like, oh, there's a new Arnold? And we'd sit down and watch the new Arnold. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Why wasn't this released two years ago when it was finished? It was weird. Yeah, I bet it was weird. But I think it it probably felt a lot like, oh, my old friends are are visiting. It was like, yeah, it was an event. Yeah, like, let's watch this 30-minute episode. Um, we, we talked a lot about where the show went from here in terms of like, you know, key moments and characters that are introduced. I think the only other thing that we haven't mentioned is that the, the show also introduces like these weird urban legends about the city, which Mm -hmm. seems very kid-like, you know, there's always urban legends about where you live, like ghost stories and, you know, weird folks who live in certain places in your neighborhood. And I think they make the most of the city environment where there's always someone there was always some weird wacky character off in the distance that they learn about. Monkey Man. Right. There's a rat king who lives in the sewers. Yeah. There's a pigeon man. And Gerald is the keeper of stories. So right. So he knows all the information. So there's an episode every, you know, every dozen episodes, there's an episode where Gerald tells a new story, a new legend. And yeah. And they go and find out about it. Uh, in 2000, Craig Bartlett wrote a pilot for a Hey Arnold spinoff sequel series called The Patakis. Intended to be aired on Nick at Night, the show would have focused on the life of Helga Pataki in her teenage years, her family, and classmates with a feel similar to The Simpsons. It would have been too depressing. Yep. That's what Nickelodeon said. (laughs) They felt that the show was too dark for their demographic, while their sister network, MTV, declined to pick it up because it was too similar to Daria. So, a show that would have been. I was like, it seems it could have worked. It could have worked. I would like, if you wanted to... The pitch that now and put it on YouTube or put it on something. Put it I'd on Paramount it. Plus. Yeah, I'd watch it. <laughs> I'd put it on a service that we already pay for, please. I was like, Francesca Marie Smith, like she still can do the Helga voice. Just yeah. have her come back and play an adult Helga. Yeah, and she also did Olga, so let's do it. Uh, in 2001, Craig Bartlett and the Hey Arnold team began producing a feature-length Hey Arnold TV movie called Arnold Saves the Neighborhood. Uh, However, thanks to a series of successful test screenings, Paramount Pictures executives decided to release it theatrically. Ah. Hey Arnold the Movie released in 2002. Ah. Did you watch Hey Arnold the Movie? Does it end with them on a bus and kissing? Helga does uh, reveal her true feelings to Arnold, and I think they do share a kiss. Then yes. I watched it in the theater, and I thought it was okay. Yeah, I guess it was. I can't remember it, really. I think they made it too filmic. When you're you go in expecting Hey Arnold the show, when you try to make it to when you try to take it a step beyond and make it more film like, you lose something with or Hey Arnold because mm-hmm. Hey Arnold is already very grounded. Yeah, and you know close to the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. get it. A follow up film was in production at the time, but a dispute between Bartlett and Nickelodeon led to Bartlett's departure from the company and led to the Hey Arnold brand to be put on ice. So the like one of the last episodes to air. Uh, of Hey Arnold was called The Journal. Mm-hmm. And it was an episode about Arnold finding a journal about that his uh, his long-lost parents had written in. And you learn that his parents were like 
South American explorers. Philanthropists. Yeah, and they were like, you know, it was like Indiana Jones almost. And yeah. you, you learn about how Arnold was born on the base of a volcano in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how his parents were, you know, after they moved back to the city and were raising their son, uh, they get called back to South America to help uh, with, with a humanitarian crisis and they yeah. never come back. And it ends on this cliffhanger where Arnold finds like a letter or like something that says, oh my gosh, my parents, they might still be out there somewhere. Right. Every kid was left with that. And (laughs) it was never resolved. And that was it. (laughs) And that was the movie that they were going to make was a follow up to that episode. Right. And it never got made. Mm -mm. Until. Yes. It did. In 2017, Nickelodeon with Bartlett's involvement finally released Hey Arnold, The Jungle Movie, which directly follows that fifth season episode, The Journal. Uh, That film won an Emmy for Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation. Nice. Uh, We watched it in preparation for the show, and it was okay. It was fine. Yeah. It was like there's a lot of fan service, which I enjoy, but, you know, it only works once. You Mm -hmm. go watch it again, all that fan service is going to be like, eh. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, there's the Stoop Kid again. Hey, there's Monkey Man. Hey, there are all these characters that we enjoy. The art was really not great, though. And we knew going in, it's like, all right, how off-putting are the voices going to be? Because, like, none of the, you know, most, some of the kids came back, like, the females could come back and play their characters. Yeah. The, all the boys sound completely different. Yeah. Not all of them. Some sound all right, but. But they're all di- def- very yeah. different. So that was a little off-putting. And the, I mean, the voices didn't bother me that much. It was the art. And it's not that the art was bad. It was just, it wasn't Hey Arnold-style art. I think, like you said before, they tried to make it a little bit more film or cinematic well this one they made it like the the jungle movie felt like cart too cartoonish like the characters were like off model and like doing weird yeah. things like eugene gets swollen because he eats something yeah and he a blows papaya. he blows up like a balloon and he's just a balloon for the whole the rest of the movie. yeah it's like you would never have seen that in the original hey arnold series where characters were like so outlandishly uh, stretchy and yeah, <laughs> it, it became almost like a cartoon. But yeah. I'm glad it exists, and mm-hmm. I'm glad they got to make it. And it's it's cool that Arnold fans got that closure. Yeah. Um. So in addition to that, Hey Arnold has spawned books, clothing, a video game, and various other merchandise. And Hey Arnold characters have appeared in Nicktoon team up games like Nickelodeon Kart Racers and the recently released Nickelodeon All Star Brawl. <laughs> you can punch SpongeBob SquarePants. As Helga Pataki. Oh, gosh. Um, that's Hey Arnold. Would you recommend it? Sure. I, I wouldn't watch it all as a one as a sit-through, but if you have a streaming site that it is on or own the DVDs, um, sitting down every once in a while to, to catch catch an episode, fine. Yeah, you're never going to be disappointed just like finding a random episode of Hey Arnold and popping it on. Like, I feel like you get your fill. It's like watch one or two episodes in a row of Hey Arnold and then like, you know. Move on. Move on, and then every so often just come back and just pop on an episode. Yeah. It's never going to disappoint you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but, yep, that is Hey Arnold. We're going to close out this segment with the credits theme to Hey Arnold, Super Jazzy, more Jim Lang. Um, and uh, we'll be back with Jess's show of 1996. Yeah. I'm going to get some food to stave off the Noid. She's going to avoid the Noid. <laughs>
sounds here we have to say. Listen up, don't go away. He's the star of Nick's newest Nicktoon. But what is Arnold really like? His friends say... Arnold, you're a bull. He's bold. Arnold, you're a pal. A bold pal. Arnold! I can't believe how handsome you're getting. A bold pal who's handsome. Arnold, what a boob. A bold pal handsome boob. And yet, oh, what a dreamboat. Huh? Anyway, see for yourself in two weeks on Hey Arnold, when you get more Nick. back with you know a theme song that does not fit the show at all i mean can i say the opening is so solid like the opening riffs the, the, and then the lyrics begin it just becomes a different song yeah it's very poppy it's too much it's too happy-go-lucky to be the show <laughs> that it's it's a theme song for it's fair but uh, that is that is the song opening theme sobukasu by judy and mary all right thanks uh, judy and mary yeah, for jess's show of 1996 and what is that show Roroni kenshin Debuting January 10th, 1996 on Fuji TV, directed by Kazuhiro Furuhashi, based on the manga series of the same name by Nobuhiro Watsuki. That is Roroni Kenshin, The Romantic Folktales of a Maiji Swordsman. Or just Roroni Kenshin. A Mighty Swordsman or a Meiji? Meiji. Okay. Maiji? Meiji. Meiji. The Meiji era. The Romantic Folktales of a Meiji Swordsman. <laughs> Roroni Kenshin, ladies and gents. Yeah. Tell us about Roroni Kenshin. It's about a remote, romantic Meiji swordsman. What does that mean? Everything I said was in my mind was are not suitable for our podcast. It uh, is a story about a wandering uh, samurai after the fall of the, uh, or in the Meiji era, uh, going around Edo. I believe mostly Edo. The, the Edo. Following yeah. the fall of... Um, they say it in the opening. Yeah. There's yeah. It's basically like it. It, it was funny. I looked up like the historical context of the show. It's a it's a wandering ex samurai. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, he's he's ex. a swordsman. <laughs> he's got an X on his face. But uh, it's set in the Meiji period or Meiji era, which the way history made it seem, this was the end of the samurai, like the the romantic idea of the samurai this is the death of that yeah <laughs> it was like the government got modernized they outlawed sword play uh all of like basically all of the 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 samurais who were working no longer had jobs mm -hmm. and they either had to like transfer into the police force or like serve as bodyguards but yeah. like the samurai way was dead it's yeah. sort, of, sort of like the death of the cowboy in american like <laughs> mythology so it's a, it was a, definitely an interesting uh, setting. Yeah. We but, don't get all of that setting in the first episode. We but, don't. But, it, but is, it is a factual thing that happened his, in history. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a samurai folktale type, yeah. type show. Uh, very uh, Akira, like, Akira Kurosawa, mm -hmm. man with no name type thing. Yojimbo. Yeah. 
Yeah, those things that I've definitely heard the titles of, but never seen any clips from. And it's anime. Yeah. Jess loves her anime. Does she? Does yeah. she love it? Yeah, yeah, okay. 90s Jess really did enjoy her anime. Well, tell us how you found this show. Why do you like it? Why is Cartoon it? Cartoon Network. <laughs> Tsunami, baby. <laughs> baby. Like I've said in all of our anime episodes, it was the only thing available to me at the time. Therefore, I swallowed it whole. Toonami was doing a valuable service for yeah, it was. young millennials hungry for anime. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I did not watch this show. Oh, surprise, surprise. Right, kids? I've mentioned this. Uh, the only animes that I watched as a kid were Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, uh, whatever was on, like, Fox Kids and WB, and Dragon Ball Z. I didn't watch a lot of Toonami. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Disney baby. This, I, I, like, I had a cousin who liked Inuyasha. Oh, Inuyasha is such a good show. And when people, I said this with Yu Yu Hakusho as well, but, like, I would confuse Yu Yu Hakusho and Roroni Kenshin with Inuyasha. So, for the longest time, when I heard Roroni Kenshin, I just thought of the, the fox man. He's not a... What is he? Is he a cat? What does Eno mean? He's what a does wolf. Inu mean? No. He's a dog? That's okay. Yes. Oh, he's a dog man. Yes. You, what is your favorite dog? Yeah, Shibu Inu. Shibu dog. Got it. Dog from Shibu. Shiba. <laughs> Shiba. Whatever. <laughs> I'm so mad at you. Also, did you know they have a new a, a show called uh, Yashahime, which is like a sequel to Inuyasha? Like, but it's princess. Yes. No, like they had kids, uh, Kagome and Inuyasha, and um, one of them got separated and went to the well. You understand nothing of Inuyasha. No, no. But basically one of them got separated, went to modern day, and then um, got back, but like many years have passed and they didn't remember it. Anyway, I read the synopsis for it and I said, I'm not giving this my life. You know why though? Because I was a diehard chef. I was a diehard Shisomaru Kagome shipper, and the fact that they weren't in game really ended my game. But we're not talking about Inuyasha. <laughs> I was like, the the two we're gonna talk we for Media Made. We we have ta- now talked about both shows I confused with Inuyasha, but we'll never talk about we will Inuyasha. We'll never talk about Inuyasha. <laughs> Look, kids, Inuyasha's long. <laughs> I would also have liked to talk about Bleach, but filler episodes, they cut me off at the knees, guys. Yeah. And um, once you found a way to actively get around those, I was in college and I had other things to do. But let's talk about this anime. Okay. Which is, you know, I, I, was, I, was, pretty, I was pretty happy with it. That was pretty uh, good. Were you? Yeah, it was, it's, it's a solid anime. Like, it's a solid first episode. For the one episode? Yeah. Okay. All right. I think it grew grew on you the second time you watch it. The first time you'd be like, "What even happened? <laughs> it's, it's, what was the show?" <laughs> it's very quiet, simple, but mm-hmm. like that. That's it's sort of like it it's reminds me. Of, yeah, it's, it's very much a Western TV show type format where it's just like stranger rolls into town, has one adventures with the locals, and then maybe he moves on. Whatever mm-hmm. we, we don't know what to expect next time. Right? Yeah, there are further adventures. It's like The Mandalorian today. Ah, a very similar format. Yes, man with no name ro- roams into town. Solves problem, moves on. Okay. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about how the show was made. Like, how about let's not? How about you talk about it and I listen? That, that's usually how it goes. <laughs> hey, kids. This is Rod from the future. Uh, I just wanted to chime in to say that uh, as I was putting the show together, after we recorded, I did find uh, some reports that manga artist Nobuhiro Watsuki... Uh, <laughs> 
did some bad things in recent years, um, and we just didn't catch it while we were preparing the show before the recording. So it felt appropriate just to mention it here before we get into the history of Veroni Kenshin. Um, that's about all we got to say. Enjoy the rest of the show. But like all successful anime, Veroni Kenshin is based on a manga comic, uh, Nobuhiro Nishiwaki, better known by his pen name, Nobuhiro Watsuki was born May 26, 1970 in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, two of his pastimes growing up were drawing manga mm-hmm. and practicing kendo. Okay. Yeah, so the, the 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 martial art of kendo, you get your, you know, your your it's 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 simulated swordplay. Yeah. That's that's what kendo is. It's sort of like fencing. Mm-hmm. Um it it you know, very very classical discipline. So it's like just from those two pastimes, you could see. Yeah, very clearly. This man went on to make a samurai manga. Mm-hmm. He's like, I like two things. I'm going to do them for a living. Yes. Uh, in high school, he received an honorable mention at the 23rd Tezuka Awards for his 1987 manga one-shot Teacher Pone and a Hopstep Award in 1991 for his one-shot Hokuriku Yure Kobonashi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have trouble with Japanese words. I know. And every time we have a Japanese episode, I'm like, hey, I should read those words, but I don't say that out loud. It's funnier this way. <laughs> Listeners can laugh at me. But yeah, he, so he, he was he, he was already recognized in high school for his, his manga. Mm-hmm. He gives the kids submit manga, I suppose, yeah. to magazines. After graduating, Watsuki moved to Tokyo and worked as an assistant to Yochi Takahashi, known for, his, uh, known for the manga Captain Tsubasa. Oh. Really good manga. And he worked as an assistant for Takeshi Obata, who would go on to create Death Note. Less good. <laughs> Come at me. Either less yeah. good. Less good kid. I said it. Okay, so he was he was working as assistant for those gentlemen. Uh, in nineteen ninety two, Watsuki published his first professional work, a one shot titled Crescent Moon in the Warring States, which tells the tale of a lone swordsman named Hiku Seijuro. Hiku Seijuro? Sure. <laughs> Uh, he then published two short stories under the title Roroni, Maiji Swordman Romantic Story in 1993. Can you spell the word that you're looking at, the M word? What is it? What is it? What does it say? M-E-I-J-E. Meiji. Yes. Roroni, Meiji Swordsman Romantic Story <laughs> in 1993. I just was like, maybe I'm here. Maybe he's saying it right. I can't see what it looks like, but. Mm-hmm. I'm a gaijin, gosh dang it. Yeah. Um, would, this story served as a prototype for the Roroni Kenshin series. Okay. Hmm. Uh, the first Roroni story featured swordsman Himura Kenshin, who would go on to star in the full series. Yes. Uh, stopping a crime lord from taking over the Kamiya family dojo. That sounds familiar. That's the first episode. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, the second saw Kenshin saving a young girl who was being held ransom by a fallen samurai. I don't know if that's in the show, but... Probably like episode four. These are the pilot episodes for the manga, essentially. Yeah. He he knew what he wanted to do. Uh, Finding the creation of historical stories as hard, Watsuki uh, initially wanted to make his next series in a contemporary setting. However, an editor asked him to make a new historical story instead. (laughs) Uh, So, he set out to expand the Roroni concept for a full series. Nice. Uh, He was further inspired by historical accounts of the... Shinsengumi, uh, the, the Botosai is mm-hmm. another name for them. They were shogunate military police of the 19th century. Uh, they, they were all real Botosai. Yes. They are like the most ultimate swords masters right. so it's of a that rank. time. Yeah. 
It yeah. was like there were like I looked it up. There were like only four people of the Batosai rank. Wow. Yeah, it's like they're that's mo- terrifying though. They're, they're the most legendary swordsmen like in history. Why is there not a video game? There should be a video. There probably game. is. I'm googling now. Uh, Batosai, the video game. Uh, he was inspired by the novel Moeyo Ken and Akira Kurosawa film Senshiro Sugata, which uh, that that I think it's like about a it's very much similar to a samurai story, but it's not a samurai. He's a I think he's just a martial artist. Okay. He's a traveling martial artist, nice. and, and he drew from his experiences with kendo. That makes sense. So, all of those uh, influences. Combined into Roroni Kenshin. Sorry, how you said that made me go, all those turned into Captain Planet. <laughs> His powers combined. His powers combined created Roroni Kenshin, romantic sword hero. Uh, the title of this new series was Roroni Kenshin, Meiji Swordsman Romantic Story. Uh, Watsuki had experimented with various titles such as Nishin Kenshin, which means Two Hearts Kenshin, or Yorozuya Kenshin, which is Jack of All Trades Kenshin. Um, but he chose Roroni Kenshin with Roroni as a made up word by Watsuki, which blends the words Rudo, 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 which means wandering, and Ronin, which is a masterless samurai. Yeah. Or, or wanderer. I got it. So a rough translation of Roroni is wandering masterless swordsman. That's cool. Yeah. So. That's a cool little tidbit. And, and now I think like most localizations just say wanderer. Yeah. So Roroni Kenshin means wandering Kenshin. Yeah. Wanderer Kenshin. Uh, Roroni Kenshin premiered in Weekly Shonen Jump in April 1994. Watsuki had little hope in development of the series <laughs> with the plan to finish the story in approximately 30 chapters. Uh, well, he wanted to do like a, 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 a modern day one. He said that's what he wanted. He said that. That's not what you got, buddy. Nope. However, the series became quite popular with Shonen Jump readers, leading Watsuki to develop lar- longer story arcs that fleshed out the world and the series' main character. As is always the case with manga, production swiftly began on a Roroni Kenshin anime adaptation <laughs> with the series produced by Studio Gallop. Parentheses, Studio Dean would take over production after the 66th episode. The show had legs. Yes, it did. Uh, Watsuki was optimistic about the adaptation as he felt the manga was already anime-esque. He was concerned, however, with the sudden creation of the series and its tight production schedule. Because it's funny, you you could see a lot of quotes from him about the show on the Wikipedia article. And he, like, hates filler. (laughs) Like, he's he he complains about it all the time. I bet. Mm, Good job. That's, like, okay, that makes sense, though, because if he'd wanted to do both of these things you know like you cut the fat he's a he's a he's a kendo exp- yeah yeah i could understand good job but unfortunately you you don't have control over your work in the end watsuki had little input in the anime series as he was too busy with publishing yep see one decision for the anime that disappointed fans and watsuki himself was the de- was the decision to cast new voice actors instead of casting the actors from the manga's cd book huh. i guess that was a thing they would have manga on CD that people could listen to. It's like an audiobook. I love that. I love that. Okay, I love that. We should definitely have that. Like, you know, it's like sometimes I am reading a book, but I have the audiobook too, just because I want the full immersion. Could you imagine just looking at a comic strip? Because sometimes when I'm reading a comic or a webtoon, especially if it's like really action packed, I don't like look at the art i have to go back and look at the art because i'm like what are we saying what are we doing oh my gosh i would love to have that mess read to me so if 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 the audio cd book 
exists somewhere. We can try to find it. I'm going to need an English version. My Japanese is not so good no more. <laughs> uh, Watsuki said the reason why the CD book voice actors did not get the corresponding roles in the anime was due to the fact that many more companies were involved in the production of the anime than the productions of the CD books. And therefore, quote, the industry power structure affected the series. Uh, sounds right. Sounds like bureaucracy. Yep. You know, Watsuki sounds like a real, like, outspoken guy. <laughs> it's, it's, a breath, it's a breath of fresh air considering I write for a... I write for a website that covers Nintendo, which mm -hmm. is like historically tight-lipped about everything. <laughs> so I, I kind of like it. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Roroni Kenshin anime debuted in January 1996, and the manga was it. The manga was in its eighth volume at the time, and that's Roroni Kenshin. Yeah, I have a question, but I don't think you can answer it. I'll try. It was in its eighth volume, like of Shonen Jump. It had another chapter in Shonen Jump, or literally eighth volume of just. It's stories being collected because I'm never I really think, sure. I think that one. I'm never really sure when it makes the jump, like from jump to its own. I don't know, book. but you can look it up on Wikipedia. It has all the chapters in their collected volumes. So see, that's interesting. Maybe they weren't considered volumes at the time. It's like volumes are retroactively attached. Yeah. To the who knows me? Well, somebody does. Not me. Nobody at this table. <laughs> but hey, let's jump into the episode. So the first episode of Aroni Kenshin the anime is called. The handsome swordsman of legend, a man who fights for love. <laughs> Do you find him handsome? I guess so. <laughs> uh, he, he Does he fight for love? No. <laughs> I mean, maybe not romantic love. Maybe, like, filial. That's not it. What's the love when you have just for people? <laughs> love is in peace. He fights for peace. That, that would have been better. He is yeah. a swordsman that fights for peace. Yes. And love. <laughs> Uh, but the show opens with a bit of a, uh, a backstory uh, mm -hmm. for it's it's sort of like uh, I don't know like like prologue a, prologue and an opening legend yeah that gets to catch you up it's yeah. the like 100 years ago the Avatar disappeared it's that that kind of thing <laughs> pre roll 140 years ago amidst the chaos and bloodshed which accompanied the end of the Tokugawa regime there was a swordsman in Kyoto who was called Batosai the Manslayer. But Tosai carved the way into the new era, the Meiji era. It was said that he was undefeatable. And then one day, as the screams faded and the dust began to settle, Batosai mysteriously disappeared into the sunset. To this day, his whereabouts are unknown. Batosai the Manslayer had become a legend. Batosai the Manslayer. Uh, and that, that's the the mythical figure that uh, every, apparently is like known far and wide to everyone in the in the yeah the manga universe here. Like we all know because like in this it's not it hasn't been so long since the Shogun fell. It's been ten years, something like that. Yeah, something, eleven eleven years. Maybe. Eleven years. I think something like that. Something. So I mean, yeah, that's all on people's mind. Yeah, pretty fresh. And it's it's interesting because you know the I think the language of the the storytelling is basically saying like, hey, the main character, Kenshin, he's Batosai the Manslayer. But it, it doesn't outright say so until the end. Of Spo the episode. Sp spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. The whole episode is sort of like the audience is not sure who the Batosai is mm -hmm. because there are other people claiming to be the Batosai. Right. And, you know, you're, you're left to think it's like, oh, wow, the Batosai is like he, this fearsome warrior. Mm -hmm. Our main character, the Wanderer, needs to be very careful. <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, so who are our main characters? 
Batosai. <laughs> Our main characters are, uh, let's start with the person first person to speak, Kaoru. Kaoru. I finally found you. You're much weaker looking than I thought you'd be, Manslayer. Huh? Prepare yourself. Ha! <laughs> I love imagining just being in the sound booth. Prepare yourself. Ha! Uh-huh. <laughs> Sounds like Tim Allen. <laughs> uh, yep, so that is Kaoru, who's this... Uh, What's your family name? Kamiya. Kamiya Kaoru. Kaoru. <sighs> Kaoru? Words are very hard for me. I don't... I, <laughs> I, I empathize. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's like this uh, feisty, outspoken young sword woman, right? She's a sensei at a dojo. She's an assistant sensei. Okay, well, <laughs> they, you're they, not wrong. They do say that. They do say that. Yeah. So she's times. she's the assistant sensei in her father's dojo. Uh, her father's passed away. Yes. So she's the the only reason she's assistant is because she's a woman. <laughs> like she runs the dojo. She does run the dojo. Um, and the the guy who goes huh is a wa a wanderer that she confronts in the street and accuses of being Batosai the manslayer. This one literally just rolls up on a stranger on a cloudy almost night with a weapon and says put your dukes up like and then just lunges, runs at him lunges, lunges at, at him, him with a weapon yeah but he's very surprised and um the only evidence that she has that he's Batosai the Manslayer is that he's carrying a sword with him. Yeah. That's her only thing. Because there's no open carry in the in the Meiji era. Yeah, that's the rule. It's like you know, the samurai had to turn in their weapons, but uh, uh, Kaoru has a wooden sword mm -hmm. that she uses as a weapon, which is okay, I guess. Yeah. Um, so she, she lunges at this dude, and he just falls over. <laughs> and she's like, oh, wow, I guess you're not Batosai the Manslayer. You're, you're just some chump I accidentally beat up in the street. Yeah, and, more uh, we, or less. That's how their first interaction goes. Yeah, we get this exchange. Could it be possible that you're the legendary manslayer? I heard you killed three more people last night at once. I'm a wanderer. I'm nothing but a wanderer. I'm merely a wandering swordsman. That I am. Do you honestly believe that I'd be able to kill three huh? people with this? What is this? The blade is on the wrong side. That's a reverse blade sword. Reverse blade sword? It cannot slay anyone. And there's nothing about that sword that looks like it was ever used to slay anyone, is there? You're right. There isn't a scratch on it. This sword looks as if it's as good as new. A lot to unpack there. That's a that's a very hefty clip. Yeah. Uh, so there are some behind the scenes things that I want to discuss with this clip, but I'll hold off on that. <laughs> um, let's talk about, uh, the characters. So obviously the wanderer introduces himself. Mm -hmm. he, that's all he says. I'm a wanderer that I am. He didn't say that part. He did. He said that I am. Did, he said wanderer like six times, but I didn't hear that. I I'm am. I'm a wandering swordsman. I'm a wanderer that I am. Uh he did say wanderer several times. <laughs> he did say wandering several times that I am. But he has this like speech pattern where he says stuff like that I am that it is yeah I guess it's supposed to be hickish he he sounds like a bumpkin yeah, yeah. that's what I said I, I kind of enjoy it and the the voice actor uh does do a good job of making me like feel endeared to him he has mm -hmm. a very comforting voice yeah uh it's you know he has a very simple like country twang not even a twang it's just like something about the way he speaks yeah uh, I I get what you're saying I don't know like there's no word that I can think of to put my finger on but yeah I, I get it where it's just kind of like it's comforting it's calming and then he uh, he professes his innocence by showing off his sword, which is a... Induendo. No. <laughs> the 
angry blinked at me. Showing his... Reverse blade sword. And what, <laughs> what is a reverse blade sword? It's a sword with the blade on the wrong side. So, you know, okay, this is one of those things I never understood as a kid. But hey, kids, if you go get a knife, go ahead, walk to your kitchen right now. If you don't have a kitchen, walk somewhere where there's a knife. Pick up a knife, a butter knife or a sharp one. Um, when you hold the knife in your hand with the handle down, right? Like the serrated end is on the bottom and that's where you cut with and the top is, is flat yeah. and Especially thick. if you got like a knife that has a grip on yeah. it. Yeah. Like not even a butter knife. Like if you have a steak knife. Yeah. The grip is shaped in a way where the blade is facing away yes. from you. Exactly. So the reverse edge would be flipping, like still holding the thing comfort comfortably but the serrated edge is pointed up at you yeah and the uh flat side is out because the way you use a sword typically is you cut down or around with the person with the sharp part so that if it the sword comes back at you at all you're getting hit with the blunt part so his sword reverse would only be able to cut him yes when used with proper sword techniques yes so it, it makes sense for a samurai sword samurai swords are usually curved Mm-hmm. away from you you know so the holder is holding the grip and the the the, the bladed part is facing away from them correct the the con concave i don't know concave whatever <laughs> the curved part is away from them right and so with uh the wanderer sword i think the, it's converse the, <laughs> the wanderer's blade the sharp part is facing him mm-hmm. it's the inside of the curve <clears throat> as opposed to the outside yes um and so um, that exchange, I captured three different versions <laughs> of it, uh, for reasons. So first things first, uh, I have the Japanese version mm-hmm. of the clip, uh, just because I feel like it's appropriate. We need to, you know, this, the show was produced in Japanese. We might as well, uh, share what the show sounded like with Japanese voice actors. So this is the, that exact same clip just with the vast, the, the, the Japanese voice cast, but not the manga one. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, yeah. This this is the, the legit anime. Yeah. あなた、本当に伝説の人切り昨日 was Roroni's voice a woman? Yes. That was very interesting because when I captured the clip, I thought the same thing. I was like, is that a woman voicing him? And it is. Uh, Wanderer is played by Mayu Susukazi in Japanese. And uh, aside, he's voiced by Richard Cancino in uh, the English dub. Mm-hmm. That um, we just played. Yes. So, like, I thought that was, like, super interesting. Yeah. And apparently that's a carryover from the audio CDs, where, huh. where Roni is, Kenshin, mm-hmm. is also voiced by a woman. a woman. So in producing the the, the, the English dub, right, uh, apparently the, the company that produced the dub considered also casting a woman to play Kenshin, hmm. the Wanderer, um, with the voice actress Mona Marshall considered to be a finalist. Oh. Uh, however, eventually the... It obviously, the role went to Richard Cancino, but Marshall would be cast as a younger version of Kenshin. Oh, okay. In flashbacks. Nice. Yeah. 
Which is good. Because, I mean, technically, never mind. What effect do you think that has? Like, obviously, in maybe it's a, maybe it's just something that Dragon Ball did. Because Dragon Ball also had Goku played by a woman. Because yeah. you you see Goku age from a small mm-hmm. child all the way up to an adult, and mm-hmm. it's always voiced by the same person. Right. Um, I don't know. Do you think that's just what they were going for? Like, just making him seem like Goku? Or do you think there's a, a different goal in casting a woman to play this grown man? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I would, would, would then have to look into other... No, because, like, looking into other anime at the time, like, um, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, all the men were voiced by men. Yeah. So... I, I, I think maybe, like, if it was a creative choice, I would think maybe it's to make Kenshin feel more innocent and, you know, like, pure. I was going to say that. Maybe it makes it a little bit, like, that comforting feel. Yeah. Yeah. That, I was like, that's, that's what I think it would be. Yeah. So who knows? I didn't look into it. <laughs> Me neither. I was like, there could be a number of things. Okay, so I have one more version of that clip. I don't want to hear it. I want you to tell us why I have a third version <laughs> Well, tell us the story. What happened here? So when we went to rewatch this episode in preparation for this episode you are now listening to, kids, um, we went to a streaming site that had it. Had, it was Hulu. It was Hulu. Just Hulu. Hulu. <laughs> it was Hulu. And we put it on. And he had just wanted to check to make sure it was the right one. I was sitting on the couch reading something and I didn't even look up. It started playing and the opening played. And I said immediately, oh, shut up. Because... I didn't like the voice. Uh, then we were watching. Kaudu's voice immediately caught you off guard. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I don't like that. And then we watched it and I was like, I do not remember her voice being this annoying. I don't remember. I mean, I guess it was because Kenshin's voice sounds the same, but like her voice is really irritating. And I was saying that the whole time. Like I couldn't really enjoy the episode because I was like, oh man. The show is worse than I remember. Nostalgia is failing me right now. Like usually I it would make up for all these things. And I was like, uh and then we I went to bed. Uh, or I tried to go to bed. <laughs> Rodney was doing research and he's like, Hey, does this sound familiar? And plays the version that we just heard. I was like, That's the voice I'm used to. And also lots of other stuff because the other dub was like it it translated stuff in ways that was real weird, which we'll listen to right now. So here's what happened. <laughs> so in 1999, Sony Pictures Television International created the first English dub of Roni Kenshin. Mm-hmm. They released it outside of North America, like other countries. This did not air in the U.S., it aired as Samurai X. Mm-hmm. So that's what it was known as. And the dub that's on Hulu is the Sony version. Uh. The dub that you remember that played on Toonami in 2003, the one that's on Crunchyroll <laughs> right now, is by a second dub. It's, it's a second English dub that was produced by media company Media Blasters. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Media Blasters. So M- Media Blasters in the 2000s, redubbed the series, split them up into seasons, and that's what aired on Toonami. Thank you, Toonami. Yep. So, we have, for your listening pleasure, the Sony version of that same clip, and <laughs> it's... You, I'll explain what Jess considered off-putting, I guess. So are you really the legendary slasher? I've heard stories that you killed three people at once. No, I'm a wanderer. All 
I am is a wandering swordsman with no place to go. Do you think I can slash anyone with this sword? Hey, what is this? The edge is reversed. It's a reversed edge sword. Why is the edge reversed? This sword can't slash people. And you don't see any evidence of slashing, right? Oh. Actually, it's in perfect condition. It seems like it's practically brand new. I hated that. <laughs> but why? I hated it. The the repetitive nature of of the transition translation. It's a reverse and... it's a reverse blade sword. Yes, it's a reverse blade sword. Reverse blade sword. <sighs> and no offense to the voice actress. I'm sure you're a lovely lady. But nostalgia. Can you just real quick play a first few clips of the one the one that was mine, just so that the kids can hear it clearly back to back? Could it be possible that you're the legendary manslayer? I heard you killed three more people last night at once. Yep, and then and then Sony. So are you really the legendary slasher? I've heard stories that you killed three people at once. <laughs> Do you see how my Karu has bass in her voice, and that helps to balance out like Kenshin's Oh, I'm a wanderer that I am. Like two people at that octave? No. Yeah. I don't like it. So uh the the voice actress <laughs> in the Media Blasters dub, your dub, mm -hmm. the the good one. Yes. Uh is Dorothy Melendrez. Thank you, Dorothy. And the in the Sony dub, uh Kaudu is played by Reba West. Thank you for trying, Reba. And uh Reba is much more shrill. She's playing her much more like a I don't know, she's playing her younger. Yeah. And, and, and a little bit more naive. And then also like the dub, it like the translation isn't helping because in Reba's version, it's like, I heard stories that you killed three people at once. Whereas in Dorothy's version, it's like, I heard you killed three more people last night, which is pertinent to the story we are seeing right now. Like, now I've heard stories like, no, it's about what's going on in her. So the only reason she's attacking him isn't because she's heard stories. It's because people have died in her town yesterday. Like... Everything is against it. Everything is against it. And the thing that made it so difficult to understand what was going on, because I was like confused, very mm. confused, like looking at the dub history of this. Like I had to really piece all this together because Kenshin, uh, the, the Wanderer, is played by the same person yes. in both dubs. Mm -hmm. They cast the same guy. I don't know how that exchange happened. <laughs> I don't know. It's just interesting that he ended up playing the same character in two different dubs years apart. Yeah. Um, and, and so trying to figure that out and i was like it's the same guy this can't possibly be the same dub what's going on mm -hmm. you know and then it, he also goes by different names <laughs> he's richard cancino in some credits and richard hayworth and others it's right. the same person we all need an alias or two yeah so very odd the dub history is wild <laughs> and yeah so i just want to and, and it's even weirder that Two different streaming services are airing two different dubs. Yeah. You don't see that very much anymore. No. Usually if like there's a new dub, like Sailor Moon has a new dub. Mm -hmm. It's gone. Like the old, the, sorry, the old dub is gone. Yeah. The one that everyone watched in, in the 90s, it's gone. It's like no more of that. Yeah. Serena sounds completely different than how she did in the 90s. Okay. I kind of want to see it because Serena was very shill, shrill. She sounds <laughs> like a valley girl. Oh, man. But um, She was Canadian. Yes. Yes. Yes, they were. Um, but yeah, that is, so that's, that was an interesting, fun adventure we went on oh. to rewatch this series. It, we watched, we watched, so technically we watched the pilot three times. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and it's interesting in the uh, Samurai X version, the, the Sony version, 
he's not Batosai the Manslayer. He's Batosai the Slasher. Yeah. Which, yeah, also, yeah. Those were, like, there were little things that was just like, it sounds weird. And as soon as we played this one, she's like, Batosai the Manslayer. I was like, yep, this is the one. This is the one. This is the one. This is my Kaoru. These are the words that I need. Yes. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to what happens next in the story. So, Oh, right after this, uh, Kaoru runs away from her wanderer friend because she hears a whistle being shown because Batosai the Manslayer has showed up. Yep, and he's being confronted by the police. It's the Batosai! Don't let him escape this time! I am Batosai the Manslayer. I use the Kamiyakashin style of swordsmanship. Hold it! You're being reckless again. That's the style of swordsmanship my family teaches. He's using our good name to murder people. <laughs> she faints. Uh, so, like, you're introduced to the the antagonist of this first episode, who, uh, to I mean, to the the first viewer would be this is Batosai the Manslayer. This is who the legend's about, and mm -hmm. he's this fearsome warrior who's just murdering people in the streets and <laughs> making it very clear that he's using a very particular style <laughs> of swordsmanship to do it. I have a very particular skill set. What's the taken line? I have a very particular set of skills. And they're all batosaying. <laughs> they're all Kamiya Kenshin. <laughs> Kamiya Kashin. Kamiya Kashin. Yep. So, uh, Kaoru passes out. Mm -hmm. and Like the strong, independent woman she is. Does Wanderer take her home? Yes. How does he know where she lives? Oh, well, that's probably easy. The police because told him. It's either the police or she did say, like, that's my family's dojo, and you just need to, like, look for a dojo, and the name will be there. He's a sharp one, if that's the case. He's a... Well, I mean, like, he's not an idiot. No, he's not. <laughs> he's a sleuth. Anyway, so he takes her home. He bandages her up. Yeah, he does bandage. She got cut on the arm. Yeah, that's right, because the... Does the Batosai attack her? She attacks the Batosai. That's right. And then Kenshin jumps her out of the way, like, Silly girl. Yeah, the Batosai like laughs at her because she confronted him with a with a wooden sword, whereas he's got a real sword. Yep. And he just like breaks her sword in in, in pieces and and knocks her out. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, Wanderer had to take her home and make sure she was okay. <laughs> he cooks her breakfast. He does, and it's better than what she cooks. And that's when the so there's kind of like tonal whiplash a little bit with this show. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more comedic than I remember it mm -hmm. from when we first watched it. Like there are scenes where the action slows down and like the, the samurai story kind of takes the backseat to like antics. Yeah. You know, and like, there's just like, you know, big animisms <laughs> with big eyes and a lot of, huh? which I think is so interesting. Cause I feel like it has, so it doesn't have as much as I would like, call those like big anime moments those face palming and different things like that but there's a scene, still very quiet show i don't have this clip but there's a scene where like he's making her breakfast and you know he, her her little siblings are eating mm -hmm. the, the breakfast and they go wow he's or no oh, no no they're they're saying how nice he is and then he says he offers uh Kaoru some some food and right. she eats it and she goes mm. <laughs> and he's like what it's not good and she says no you cook better than I do. Yeah. And then he freezes in a very anime way with big bug eyes. Yeah. And then just he goes, uh? and then falls over. Yeah. Bink. <laughs> it's, it's very anime and anime fair. reaction. That's fair. It is. It is a pretty, it's a pretty, pretty standard anime action. So when you watch it, it's like, it, it opens up with a very traditional samurai serious story, mm -hmm. but it peppers in a lot of comedy. Yeah. Which I don't know, I, I can assume maybe it was present in the manga. 
And that's just the tone it has, where it's both serious and silly at the same time. Yeah. It does it pretty well. It's pretty balanced. It's a pretty it's a pretty good balance. And I think it's definitely important to have that kind of stuff, especially earlier on, because as you get deeper into like animes, like I know I said this last time. I don't know if I said it actually to you on mic, but like there's a different show called Samurai Deeper Kyo. And that mess is just like starts off gritty with not really laughing, but it's fine. And it just gets darker and darker. Not like truly dark. There's a lot of other stuff where you're like, yeah, that was heavy. <laughs> but the show, like the main character itself, has like a switch that gets turned yes. off. Where it's like, yeah, this is a silly, you know, uh, carefree mm-hmm. type samurai adventure. Almost like a, you know, fun, uh, like swashbuckle, swashbuckling story. Mm-hmm. Like an old western that's just like action adventure type. Yeah. But then the switch gets turned off and suddenly it's a very serious like martial yeah. arts movie. or Yeah, and I, I think that has a lot to do with, uh, or it. It's a good mirror for Kenshin's character, I think, because that's what he wants to be. Like this very like lighthearted thing. Like even when he's attacked in the street, he avoids the attacks, but he doesn't like attack back and he's keeping like pretty He takes light. a pratfall. Yes. And he's just like trying to, he, it's like he's reaching for these lighter moments because he hasn't had them and he wants to. So the show like abides that a lot, but then, um, sometimes switches like so quickly to like, and now we're serious, which I think is a good, uh, again, like a mirror foil for how quickly a situation can like get out of hand and you have to like be that person that you didn't really want to be anymore. Yes. So it's like there's Wanderer and then spoilers, there's Batosa the Manslayer and Mm -hmm. he has to embody both versions of himself in different situations. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, And so as... Kaudu and the Wanderer get more acquainted with each other. We learn a bit about uh, Kaudu's family history mm-hmm. and her father's dojo. Yeah. The uh, Kamiya Kashin style is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Are you the assistant master of this school then, Miss Kaudu? The Kamiya Kashin style of martial arts was founded by my father. The idea behind it was not to hurt people, but to encourage the potential in them. The sword that revitalizes. But now, that murderer has been claiming to study the Kashin style. But Tosai is tarnishing my father's ideals. I'll stop him for father. And that's the the crux of this first story is like they she wants to figure out who this murderer is yeah. and bring him to justice and have him stop bringing shame to her father's dojo. Yeah, so she's like not just out in the streets wandering trying to kill random strangers or at least beat random strangers. Like it is for the honor of her family. Right. And and her her Father her was father's very much, memory. Her father was very much a pacifist, mm-hmm. you know, and like, I think maybe this was like the, it was meant to be like the birthplace of Kendo because it's like, yeah. we're not teaching you a, a swordsmanship to fight or to murder. We're fi- you know, it's like a, you know, uh, it's, it's an art form. Yeah. It's a way to revitalize it's a martial art. <laughs> martial arts. Kendo, like Kendo. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, it, it's strictly for one's own personal growth. Yeah. You know, uh, revitalizing yourself. Um, Keeping yourself strong without having to, like, hurt or maim other people. But, I mean, like, being whacked with a kendo... Have you ever been whacked with a kendo stick? Uh, I've seen, like, unpadded? I've seen plenty of wrestlers get whacked with kendo sticks. I don't know if they were true kendo sticks. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Once you see the welts on Brian Danielson's back, you'll know, you know it's real. <laughs> Brian... Oh, right, because he's at AEW now. Daniel Bryan. Yes. Anyway, um... 
I wouldn't want it. I'm, I, all I'm saying is it's it's non-violent. No, it's non-lethal. Yes. <laughs> it's not non-violent. Well, it's, I mean, it's... It, we, it's as still we, swordplay. As we learn, like, it, it's actually pretty effective uh, at, at overcoming a bully. And maiming someone for life. Right, because we find out the the man who claims to the, be the Batosai, who's going out and murdering people in the streets and saying it's in the name of the Kamiya Kashin style, we learn that he is a former student of the Kamiya Kashin school. No way. Yes, and he was wronged several years ago oh my by gosh. the master of the dojo. Is he all right? <laughs> so, who wants to be defeated next? Kaoru, stand back. Huh? Sensei, come here, Sensei. Kohei, what you are doing is forbidden. The way of the Kashin style is to never hurt others. I'm sick of listening to your weak lectures. A sword is to chop people up, and this blade is begging to taste some more blood. It wants yours. Spoilers didn't get the didn't get his blood. No, but that is who the main the, the main antagonist is. It's this, of this episode. Yes, it's this uh, troubled swordsman who, when he was learning the Kamiya Kashin style, realized that this stuff is for pansies. I want to <laughs> chop people up, and so he was a bully at the dojo. And the, the, the master said, knock it off. And he stood up and disrespected the master. And what happens when you disrespect the master? You get got. With that thumb, you should never be able to hold a sword again for the rest of your life. You are expelled from this school. Make sure that you never attempt to set foot in this dojo again. Master Kashin, or whatever his name is, Master Kamiya, <laughs> Kamiya Sensei, strikes the bully in the right hand, breaks his thumb in such a way that he can never hold a sword again with his right hand. And he deserved it. And so that's the, and that shows the power of the Kamiya Kashin style because it's like, yeah, I don't chop people up and kill people, but I can still do damage. Yeah. It's like I am a lethal swordsman hmm? with restraint and grace and discipline. Discipline. Justice. <laughs> and so that, as you could see, as you might think that you, you taught the bully his lesson and now the bully is going to be better. Nope. Nope. No better bully. In fact, he's come back 11 years later and is now murdering people in the street. But how can one hold a sword if he had his hand broken all those years ago? With his teeth. No. <laughs> Feet. Belly. Armpit. Left hand. <laughs> so it was you after all. Oh, you finally remembered. I've been waiting in the bowels of hell for 11 years for this day to come, so I can throw the Kamiya Kashin style into the abyss where it belongs. So it's revenge you're after. You've been trying to disgrace my father. Actually, I feel very thankful to your daddy. I know he'd be proud of his former student after perfecting my left-handed sword techniques for 11 years. Left-handed sword techniques. For 11 years. Thank you, Daddy. He said he was very thankful to her daddy. He is, but now he's going to th throw the, the school's name into the abyss. Could you imagine having that big of a gripe? <laughs> yeah, 11 years is a long time. 11 years is a long time. You already learned a different sword style. Go do something else. That's a, that's a man who needs, like, 
You need closure somewhere else. Like, <laughs> you can't get closure from this. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so what does he do? He attacks the young girl. Yep, and it overcomes her very quickly. Because he's, like, as big as... He's, like, ten feet tall. He's as big as Ken, the fist of the North Star. He's very. He's a very large man. So, yeah, he breaks her, her kendo sword in half and basically, like, has her by the throat and it's gonna, like... Choke her out. I'll complete my revenge when I kill you and destroy this school. I'll make sure you go to hell slowly, but not before you beg like a dog. Okay, whose sword wants a taste of this chickadee's flesh? I know mine does. Me too. Oh, yeah. A sword is a tool to save people with. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should worry about saving yourself right now. What's wrong? Daddy's not here uh, to protect you. Uh, I love his gang's sound of voice actors. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Give it to me. Do you believe a sword is a tool to save people? I believe that's what a naive young girl would say. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's such an interesting concept. A weapon is a tool to save people. It's it, it, There's a lot of philosophizing about uh, sword play in this show. As we'll get in this, so obviously we, we are presented with um, uh, Kaoru's, like philosophy on sword, sword fighting. Mm -hmm. And then Wander is going to walk in and explain his philosophy on sword fighting. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I would think that's, you know, Watsuki describing like what sword fighting means to him. And like, you know, he's trying to, you know, present the art of sword fighting more as just like action, you mm -hmm. know, a vessel for action. It's a vessel for, you know, talking about philosophy and human nature and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so Wanderer walks in and surprises everybody and he's going to be there to prove that a sword is there to save people, but that's not all it is. You'll put her down gently, you will. I remember you from yesterday. I had a feeling that I should have taken care of you right then. You mustn't get involved. You're no match for him. <gasps> Another fool who thinks the sword can bring out people's potentials. No. A sword is a weapon. The art of swordsmanship is learning how to kill. That is the truth. What Miss Kaoru says is sweet and innocent talk that only those whose hands have never been stained with the blood of men can believe. Huh? But to tell you the truth, I much prefer Miss Kaoru's sweet and innocent talk over the truth. Indeed, I do. I hope that someday her words will become the truth for all of us to live by. See? A lot of philosophy. So much philosophy. Yeah, I think that's a like it's a nice place to like be. Like, I, I like that there's lots of different schools of thought presented about yeah. what you know, the use of a sword is or what a sword is meant to be when I think it really, its definition depends on its wielder, right? right. Who is wielding the sword for what purpose? Because that's what it will be used for. Reminds me of freaking Star Wars. It's like, replace the sword with the force. force and it's the same type of, you know, uh, uh, philosophy talk, mm -hmm. right? It's like, oh, you know, the force is a tool for, you know, power and, and vengeance, or or it's a you no, know, it's a it's a tool for justice and peace. Mm -hmm. You know. <laughs> yeah, I think that is like the the best thing, the best definition, right? Like, a weapon is a tool for power. How that power is utilized is, um, again, dependent on who is wielding it. So we can't really say anything like, what is the purpose of a sword to enact power? 
and the way this whole scene plays out reminds me of those old school westerns and old school samurai movies where you know the the hero walks in it's very dramatic and mm -hmm. you know you you can even hear it in the music the music is very western yeah uh so the spaghetti western or something like that um and and then that uh those tropes would then get carried into movies like Star Wars and The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. So it's all being reused. It's all yeah. it's all cyclical. Everything's recycled. So this this show has a cool tone. I will say that, and it presents its standoffs and and tension uh, or tense moments. I don't know with with like an arts an artistic uh, yeah fashion. I agree. I think it would be interesting. Like I'm not. This isn't going to be one of the shows that I will push for us to watch. Um, like as we watch shows together just in our downtime without having to talk about it on a mic. But I think I would be interested to see if, if that um, thought process for you, that feeling carries off if you watch a season or half a season, because the season might be too long for you, you know, of this kind of like how they present it in each episode and stuff. It'd be interesting. Um, so the, the scene obviously uh, is ramping up there. Like there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a sword fight between the Wanderer, who's been pretty uh, pacifist up until now. And then the uh, the malicious uh, fake Botosai. Photosai. <laughs> um, but before that, we get a revelation. And what is that? Something we all saw coming from the beginning anyway. The Wanderer is the Botosai, like he was accused in the very first moment of the show. Red hair, a cross-shaped scar on his cheek. It can't be. Oh, yes, by the way. The technique of Batosai the Manslayer is neither Kamiyakashin nor is it whatever your style is. He uses Hiten Mitsurugi ultrasonic sword techniques that will not fail to slay an opponent unless of course you use a sword like mine, that is. So then that means you're the real Batosai the Manslayer. Ugh. No, it doesn't. I'm just Interesting. saying. Interesting. But there's only room for one Batosai in this world. We'll have to see who's worthy of that title. After I defeat you, I'll burn this place down and kill the girl. Then I have no choice. Die, Batosai! And he straight up fights everyone in the room. And I, I will say it's 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 anime. Their budget's limited, so the action is, relies heavily on like freeze frames with the lines. Mm -hmm. Like you know Most your traditional ways. your traditional cheap anime sword fight where there's really no action mm -hmm. and it's all done in the line work. You know, action is action is inferred. Yeah. Uh, so it's not as really all that exciting to watch visually, but like the story is that Wanderer, the the real Batosai, is able to overcome all of this. Yeah, there's like thirty people in that room. I don't know about thirty. There's a dozen men in there, <laughs> and he oh, he beats them all up, right? And he does it so swiftly, it's almost superhuman. Yeah. And everyone in the room is like, "Oh my gosh!" You you maybe you initially think, "Oh, he killed everybody," and then you find out, "Oh no, he did he didn't." He Just knocked them all out. He knocked him all out because he's got a reverse blade sword. Mm. And that's what he says there. He's like, my technique will surely kill all of you unless you have my sword, which is reversed so that the blade, when it strikes you, won't kill you. Might give you a concussion. Might give you a concussion. Probably bruise some ribs because there's a lot of power in my swing. But I won't break <laughs> it's skin. Like, it's like Batman. Batman doesn't kill, but he'll maim. <laughs> they'll send people to the hospital. Maybe they'll die there. But Batman didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> the failed healthcare system did it, not Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and Wanderer, the real Batosai, finishes what uh, Kamiya Sensei 
had started 11 years before, and he breaks the other hand. <laughs> I have no attachment to the name Batosai the Manslayer. Just the same, I can't allow someone like you to wear it. I'm afraid you'll no longer be able to hold a sword with either of those hands. Oh my god, I can't believe it! He didn't kill anybody! Everybody's just knocked out! Go to the police and tell them everything that this man has been doing. You got it? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know why he trusted that lackey to do that. I would have been like, and I'm out of here. I serve nobody. I'm not going to the police to get my knocked out buddies arrested. And me. Reminds me of uh, a Kill Bill, which I'm sure Quentin Tarantino stole this from some other old samurai movie that he saw, but the old samurai kicks everyone's butt in the room and there's just one young, like, punk who's left, who's, like, way too young to be in the gang. Mm -hmm. And the in, in Kill Bill, the bride grabs this kid and spanks him with her sword yeah, and says, like, like, this is what you get with playing with Yakuza. Now go home! <laughs> yeah, so he, he does that to this young, this young boy <laughs> who's hanging out with the fake Potosai. Mm -mm. Also, can I just say that um, fake Potosai being like, well, there's only one room for one to use this. Excuse me, sir. You know the rumors. Why are you going to attack someone that you've, you've you were pretty much 100% sure is the actual Potosai? He's too cocky. That's stupid. He thinks his left-handed technique is, is if a, I could a sufficient. Over, if I could overcome being left-handed, I can overcome... The Batos, that's dumb. I this like the, is why you've got both hands broke. I like the shade that uh, Wanderer throws in there. He's like, it is, you know, the, the Batosai's technique is neither the Kamiya Kenshin style or whatever yours is. <laughs> <laughs> Your unknown piece of crap. Yeah, so it's like, you're very undisciplined. You're gonna, you would surely die if I wasn't already a pacifist. <laughs> um, yep, and so the... The conflict is resolved, at least here in the first episode. Uh, Rakauru's school uh, is uh, redeemed, her father's style. Yes, her Rede redeemed. And uh, how does how does the story end? Uh, the wanderer leaves now that everybody knows that he's the Batosai, and the rest of the episodes are just him wandering around uh, Japan. Well, not exactly. <laughs> if you insist on going, you could at least tell me your name before you go. I'm not talking about the legendary manslayer either. If you don't mind, I'd like to know your real name. Himura. It's Kenshin Himura. Kenshin. I guess you should be on your way, Kenshin. I have to admit, I'm a bit tired of wandering. Although you'll never know when I'll have to hit the road again. I am a pretty lousy cook. Yeah, but you're a lot better than I am. And I might accidentally see you taking a bath. No problem at all. If you ever do that again... Ha! <laughs> hey! I thought you'd be able to dodge my punch! You've got a pretty hard right, don't you? There's that, that tone of whiplash again. <laughs> it's like this, you know, heroic... Dramatic moment where you know they're, they're, the the rom the fighting for romance is coming to its culmination. Oh dear! And then punch right in the face. <laughs> you hear the you hear the little Tweety birds. Yeah, you got a good punch. <laughs> Solid right hook. Solid. Oh man. So the sh the episode ends with the wanderer not being a wanderer for a while. Is that the status quo? Does he stick around and hang out with Kaudu? He sticks for a bit. Um. And then eventually he starts to move on, but I believe 
Karu and the gang go with him, the gang you will be introduced to in the next three episodes. Yeah. You'll meet the kid next episode, and then um, Horse Sword. <laughs> uh, 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 street Fighter. Yes. You'll meet him, I think, like, episode four. It might be episode three, but I think it's episode four. But that's that's where Roni Kenshin Yeah, That's the first episode. I feel mm-hmm. like it establishes the tone yeah. pretty well. Would you recommend it? Yeah. yeah. I would, too. I think if you like anime, you, you should check this one out. It's not cringy at all. <laughs> well, it's a little cringy. It's a... I, the, the, the walking in on her bathing scene was a little cringy. Yeah. If you like anime of this era, I think that that's the thing. Because I think anime nowadays is a little faster paced. There's a lot of pausing and quiet moments in yeah. it. Which is nice. Um, but if you don't like that thing, you But it's like very this. old school. Like I said, it's very Kurosawa-esque. Yeah. Which it's like, if you like old samurai movies, like that's what this is. Mm-hmm. With an anime spin on it like yeah. it still has some animeisms in it but like i don't know i think it blends the two pretty well i agree i'd actually never really seen old samurai movies but i agree you hardly ever lie to me so <laughs> yep so let's talk about how this show was received roni kenshin has remained one of the most popular anime series of all time having ranked high in japanese viewership polls multiple times like still to this day it's still ranked high uh, huh. It is today remembered for its memorable characters, well-crafted plot, and good action scenes. Um, Sci-Fi.com, Anime News Network, and Mania Entertainment have all praised the show's action and music, as well as Kenshin's characterization, especially during what's called the Kyoto arc. Yes. Um, music? <laughs> the music is praised? Well, not the opening theme, but like the background music's pretty okay, good. Okay, okay. I like the Western, that. and they had a little bit of hard rock in there during the action scenes. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. The open, <laughs> opening thing uh, you could do with that. Closing theme. Uh. Yeah. But the the score. Yeah. Uh. What goes More on in the Kyoto stuff. arc? Um, a lot. We meet. Um, uh, there's a lot of stuff to do in the Kyoto. It gets really political, and a lot of people find like recognize him as the Potosai. Um, people from the Shogunate era that want to utilize his gifts and skill set in ways that he does not want to do anymore but also we meet like the um opposite of him like what he would have become if he at the end when the war was decided when the civil war came to its end if he had decided that he still wanted to to be this that he needed more blood that if he gave into that and didn't turn away we meet a man who kept on that path uh, and it's the polar opposite of... That's neat. Yeah, it's really good and sad. And I feel like a lot of like my younger days, my ideas of like hell and what people like do to deserve it or um, what it looks like for people who are like evil, but they're evil because they have no other choice and they're just tired, like comes from like a lot of in- imagery from the show, like mm. in my head. It's really good. I think you would enjoy the art, too. Otaku USA said that while the Media Blasters dub is well cast, the English dub does not sound natural since the producers were too preoccupied with making the voice performance mimic the Japanese performances. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know if that refers to lip sync specifically or if they were trying to get the, the tone of voice to match the Japanese. I don't know either. I mean... There are definitely some unnatural things in it. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think my uh, nostalgia forgets I will a lot. say I'm happy that they didn't like over-localize like you would get in your Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> jelly donut. Yeah, where rice balls are jelly donuts. Like, no, they're legit. Ta- like they're, Or 
Yu-Gi-Oh! is set in America for some reason, as opposed to in Japan in the original. You know, it's just like... Yeah, it's weird. They they strip all of the Japanese out of it. Where, like, this is like, no, the show is set in, you know, medieval Japan mm-hmm. or, or, or 19th century Japan. Uh, everyone has Japanese names. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think even in the Sony dub, Kaoru isn't Kaoru. She's, like, Cassie. Mm. Cassie Kamiya or something mm. dumb like that. Yeah. Where it's like, no, no, no. She, her name is Kaoru. Japanese. Yeah. Uh, he's... Himura Kenshin. Yeah. So, I don't know. I appreciate that. I also do. Yeah. <laughs> when you get when you try to localize it like too much, it just gets cringy mm-hmm. and you lose the heart of the show. Uh, them anime noted that the show's utterly childish nature and violent action sequences made it seem in, uh, unbalanced at times, which is what I could see as a risk. Yeah. With some of the scenes that we've saw even in this first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and manga creator Nobuhiro Watsuki said that the final product was, quote, better than imagined and that it was created with the, quote, pride and soul of professionals. Aww. So a stamp of approval from the manga artist. Nice. He's like, there's too much filler, but for the stuff that is there, good job, guys. <laughs> However, a common criticism, even from Watsuki himself, is the amount of filler content <laughs> in the anime. Well, he hates that filler, and apparently this show had a lot of it. Mm. <laughs> like I, I had heard, I read like, I'll, I'll get to it. Like where the show went from here, uh, I'll, I'll just jump into that because I, I think like f- the show becomes just filler at a certain point. Yeah. So the Rurouni Kenshin manga came to an end in September 1999 with a total of 28 volumes of 256 chapters. Dang. Uh, the anime, however, came to an end a year earlier after only 95 episodes, having only adapted the manga's first 17 volumes, plus a season's worth of original stories beyond that. So the final season is all filler. Yeet. It's all created for the anime itself. It doesn't even have inspiration from the manga. Weird. Yeah. I find that so weird, especially considering like they had other, they had the other manga. <laughs> They stopped know. at 17. That's, there was others already out. That's that bureaucracy that he was complaining about. Yeah. Uh, the final episode didn't even air in Japan. Oh, wow. As it was only a bonus episode for the home video releases. That's so weird. Yep. So TV audiences didn't even get their closure. Uh, unless they spent a little bit of money. On a very expensive VHS tape. Yep. Roni Kenshin has spawned a vast media empire. Uh, first off, 1997 saw the release of Roni Kenshin, the motion picture, also known as Samurai X, the motion picture in North America. Did you ever watch that one? Mm, I, I don't think so. Yep, so that was his first movie. Two OVA series spinoffs, Roni Kenshin, Trust and Betrayal, and Roni Kenshin, Reflection, were produced in 1999 and 2002, respectively. Roni Kenshin, New Kyoto Arc, an OVA series that remade the anime's Kyoto Arc, debuted in 2011. In 2016... The Takara Zuka Review performed a musical adaptation of the manga. Fun. In 2018, a stage play adaptation was performed in Tokyo in Osaka. That sounds cool. And in 2020, a stage music, another stage musical adaptation of the manga's Kyoto arc was scheduled to be held from November to t- December 2020 in Tokyo. And it happened. But it was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that thing. So I will look up videos of those and see if we can post them on Twitter and Instagram. That'd be fun. Uh, there have been a handful of Roroni Kenshin video games, all exclusive to Japan. <laughs> I looked it up. Matosai! I, I could not find a single one that released in the US. Oh, wow. <laughs> Himura Kenshin, however, has also appeared as a, as a guest character in several Shonen Jump crossover games, inclo- including Jump Superstars, 
J Stars Victory Versus and Jump Force. Are those like Smash? Yeah, sort of. They're like uh, uh, Shonen Jump produced games. A lot of them are like they have like this isometric style where like two guys are running around in a little arena and mm-hmm. they fight. It's a fighting game, Got really, it. with a big arena to fight in. Right, right, right. Roroni Kenshin has spawned a ton of licensed merchandise, including soundtrack albums, art books, guidebooks, light novels, figurines, keychains, plushies, and replica swords. You too can buy your own reverse blade sword. <laughs> now I'm thinking, I'm wondering what the fan fiction looks like for this. Oh, I'm sure there's a ton of it. Oh, 100%. But what does it look like? <laughs> I'm not going to Google it, kids. And finally, a live action adaptation of the Roroni Kenshin anime was released in 2012. And we watched it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Well, we watched just the first one, which in, I think more or less went over the first arc <laughs> it, 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 of the anime. It, it even adapts this first episode. Yeah. And obviously, like, reimagines a lot of the characters and scenarios to make it more seamless into a full story for a mm-hmm. movie. And I thought it did pretty well. Like, having watched the first episode, I was not upset with the changes made. Yeah. It made, you know, it made even the fake Matosai more important. Yeah. Which was cool. It was, I think it was a really good, uh, no, it was, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And the even f- though, oh, oh. Flashy what, fight scenes. Was, was he a handsome samurai? I asked he, you in the cartoon. He's but a very pretty man. He's very pretty. He's a, he's a, he is a young, youthful face. <laughs> he is, I was like, I know this actor. Why do I know this actor? But I like looked through all of his work and I was like, I haven't seen any of these things, but this actor is very familiar and familiar face. He, he, he tried and I don't think like succeeded at trying to make uh, uh, Himura Kenshin like funny. Comedy was not his strong suit. I think that was the the only gripe I had against his performance. Mm. Yeah, it was a little, well. The comedy in the movie was more cringy than not. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was like, like, it's always like really hard though. Like when I see live action things adapted from manga, like Japanese, it sometimes still a little bit too anime for me. Like the reactions that you're, that like you get, they'll be, I'm like, I can't, I don't like it. Sorry, it's for some people, it's not for me. So it didn't really like super bother me. I think it it was also hard really to, for us as non Japanese speakers to like hear the hickishness yeah. um in his in his speech patterns but like we got it in the subtitles yeah okay well actually before that can we can we <laughs> there, say how hard we had to get that we don't try to rent that movie on Amazon we did that it is only an English dub it's an English dub produced by Funimation and we were like no no thank you they we, wouldn't even let you turn the the there's no Japanese to it yeah, we couldn't even watch it in Japanese, so we had to watch it through other means, but we did rent it on Amazon. We did spend our money on it. Uh, yeah, so it, it, the, the dub, no good. No. Uh, the, the the subtitles were very good. Mm-hmm. They even got his, I'm a wanderer, that I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and yes, the fight scenes are incredible. Mm-hmm. I think that's, yeah. I, a lot of people love those fight scenes. They're very good. Yeah, I think that was the best thing, the, what you were saying. The action direction is the best part of the movie Mm -hmm. you know and um it's not a bunch of stills like it is in the anime it's like legit really well choreographed fights right that film has spawned two 2014 sequels kyoto inferno and the legend ends and two more sequels that released this year 2021 yes they are both available on the internets 
So that is Roni Kenshin. Yay! Um, I think our next order of business is to decide who won the night. Who who who, who show was better? Wife. Okay. I can't even remember what your show was. It's Hey Arnold. I can't even remember what here's, it was. Here's the question. Are we ranking it on... I have not seen all of Roni Kenshin the show. I have not seen all of Hey Arnold. Yes, you have. And, and I will say... <laughs> This first episode of Arnold is half great and half just okay. Mm-hmm. Because the, the Eugene's bike episode was just kind of meh. But that opening episode I thought was really fun and a great kids' entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> this is hard. This is a hard one. I think it's also because, like, both of these shows, as a recommend, I'd be like, yeah, we're okay. Yeah, it's Me fine. too. Just, you know, like, I'm not like wild, crazy excited about either of these shows. So it's like, ah. I'm, I legitimately think I can give it a tie. Yeah. You want to go with tie? Hold on. Let me look at what the board looks like. No, no, no. <laughs> How often have you? Let me just check the board real quick. No. Let me just. No. Oh, no, no, no. We need your honest opinion. Should... I'm going to honestly check. The... Excuse me, sir. This is my house. I want to see if I need another one. Are we cutting this star in half? Yeah, let's cut it in half. All right. It's a tie. It is not even a disputed tie. It's an agreed upon tie. Hey Arnold, Veroni Kenshin is a tie. Yes. TV Show 1996. So both I, good shows. Both good shows. You guys let us know what you think if you agree that it is a tie. Yeah. Well, that'd be fun to have the first ever face cut. I mean, cut of the Oh no, we've we've had we've had smiley cuts before. Oh, I obviously don't look at that board enough. <laughs> <laughs> What's our next order of business? Runner, um, runners up? Yeah, let's talk about runners up. Oh, this well, is, I remember now, this is a big year for TV. It's like, I we were, we, like, there were a lot of debuts where it's like, yes, there these are a lot of things that we both enjoyed. Yes. Very busy uh, runner up season. Yeah, there was a lot. Well, let's start with you. So if we weren't watching this, we would have had another Power Rangers episode. Power Rangers Zeo. Zeo power. No. Uh, Power Rangers Zero was the first Power Rangers like sequel series after Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one with the Gold Ranger. Okay. It's it's got robots. Uh, they all have robots. They they fight like a robot army. Okay. Mm, yeah, that, that, that those are like the two noteworthy things about it. <laughs> I'm glad there's we a, there's a there's a flying pyramid at some point. <laughs> I'm really really glad we didn't do more Power Rangers. Goodness. We could have also been watching Dexter's Lab, though. Ah. Ah. Dexter's Laboratory? Yes. Watched a lot Didi, of that. Didi, get out of my laboratory. It's been so so long. That's not how any of those words go. I, I I do make a lot of Mandark references, though. As a kid, like, especially around, you know, this era, I was, like, my favorite channel was Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. That's where I spent a lot of my time. But if I wasn't watching Nickelodeon, I was watching Cartoon Network, and Dexter's Lab was probably my favorite show. On Cartoon Network at the time. Uh, we also could have been watching the Big Bad Beetle Boys. Big Bad Beetle Borgs. <laughs> the, that was another Power Rangers spinoff type thing. So that one I remember, like, for a while there, I liked Beetle Borgs more than Power Rangers. Oh. Like, me and my friend Michael. Always Michael. Different Michael. But it's always this I, Michael. I've had, I've, no, no, no. I've I, always, I've had, I had, no, if you're talking music, it's Wools. If you're talking anything else, it's this one. No. I had two best friends in, in preschool, both named Michael. And there's, there's one Michael that I continued to be friends with because uh, we lived in the same street. And then there was another Michael that went to a different elementary school. So I didn't see him until high school. But 
So, uh, friend Michael that went to a different school, me and him loved the Beetleborgs. And we would, like, I think we had masks, so we'd dress up like the Beetleborgs, and we had the little Beetleborgs, like, communicator type thing. It was like a power morpher, but it was a Beetleborg. You're so cute. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, man, we love those Beetleborgs. Aww. Uh, you watch it now, it's horrible. I've never seen it, a it's, Beetleborg. It's even dumber and ch- more, like, it, it, it's very child-focused. It's like a baby Power Rangers where like little kids turn in to the Beetleborgs. Okay, I want to see half an episode. And it, there's like, I, I don't remember this, but apparently like there's a whole like haunted house angle going on that I don't even like, I barely remember that. I just remember the action sequences. Oh, but. I have no idea. What just, I've never heard of the Beetleborg books. <laughs> Big bad Beetleborgs. Be- Van Tilborgs? Be- <laughs> Big bad Van Tilborgs? We know Van Tilborgs. They are neither big nor bad. Anyway, uh, in another show, honorable mention, because he made you cry, Blue's Clues. Steve (laughs) just came back to tell us he was all proud of us (laughs) after all these years. No, um, Blue's Clues, uh, I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast, but I once faked being sick so I could stay home and watch the Blue's Clues marathon. He was in the second grade. I don't know. It might, have been, it might have been kindergarten or the first grade. He was in the I don't, first grade. No, I don't think it was the second grade. He was in the... I just remember A2 was involved. No, no, it was probably kindergarten because by that point, I would have been having to go to school regularly. Ah. It's like I had to go to school, so I didn't want to. So I said, well, I, I want to... I'm sick. <laughs> I want to watch... I want to watch Blue find the clues and get the mail. I ran around the house a, a, like a bunch of times so that I can get hot and sweaty so that I could simulate a fever. This is why we're not going to have biological children, because I wouldn't be able to trust them. <laughs> Either way, that was my favorite preschool, like, Nick to, uh, or Nick Jr. show, Blue's Clues. Yeah! Shout out to it. Shout out to the to the Steve era Blue's Clues. Um, and this was on both of our lists, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Ah. Ah. Good old Melissa Joan Hart. That's the right one. Good job. She's she's no longer Clarissa. Now what she's Sabri- Sabrina. What was Sabrina's aunt's name? Hilda and Zelda. Good job. What was her cat's name? Salem. What was her boyfriend's name? I don't know. Harvey. Eric, oh, so Eric? I don't know. Eric? I don't know. It's not Little Mermaid. He was, he was a vampire hunter, though, at some point, right? No. Or a, a witch hunter or something. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Didn't she date a witch hunter at some point? She probably show? dated a lot of people, but Harvey was first boyfriend and endgame, though it really shouldn't have ended on Harvey, to be perfectly honest. Yep. I, lo- I, I watched a lot of Sabrina. It was good stuff. It was good stuff. And then also in common, we have Kablam! Ah. ah. The, the first All That Spin-Off. As we, as we talked about in our 1994 TV We episode. did talk about that, and I was very surprised to hear that it was an, a spinoff. Yeah, it had Action League Now with the action figures. Yes. And many other fine cartoons. You know, your favorite, An- Angela, Angela, Anna, oh, An- Angela Anaconda. I hate that show. You love that show. No, that you think the, the art was the best thing the about it. That's the worst one. And you love the voice I liked uh, Prometheus and Bob. Prometheus which... and Bob was fun. Um, I liked definitely Prometheus and Bob and the action people. There was something else, not... Uh, Anaconda, but there was something else that I remember going like, "Ooh, this is my favorite skit," but I can't think of it. There's right a now. lot that show spawned a lot of cartoons. Yeah, it was good. Good stuff. Um, we're, in, then, we're in the golden age of Nicktoons, and right we will here. never talk about them. <laughs> they will not get their own episodes. <laughs> um, okay, and then for me, solo wise, we could have been watching Third Rock from the Sun, which you've never seen. I didn't know that show existed until. 
you, one of your roommates made us watch it one time and went to your house, like when, when we were dating. I remember visiting one night and she, we're walk, like we're flipping through Netflix trying to find something to watch. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, Third Rock from the Sun. Let's watch that. And it's this old sitcom. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> I had never heard of it. It's about aliens. And it had like 20 seasons. It's uh, not so that long. good. It, it had several seasons and went on for years and I had never heard of it. It's so good. It was a pop culture blind spot. It's so good. That's the, that's, um... Oh my gosh! What is that? That boy R G B B G G A. Gordon Joseph Lovett. Yes, that's the one. J G L. Yeah, no. Yes, Jordan. What? Joseph Lovett. Joseph Gordon Lovett. That young man. Joseph Gordon Lovett. That's that's when he first first get the those the big actings on it, but not just that. all the characters in there were so much fun. Spinoff about aliens who pretend to be humans. Yes, living in. America. Yes, living on Earth, they they are like scientists more or less. They're well, one of them is a scientist. They're here to study Earthlings, and so they take on Earth form, and then they form a family. And but they have to learn everything as they go. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's high concept. I'm surprised they made it to television. Yeah, and and made it work for so long. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, we would have been watching other shows that you've never heard of or seen, rather than. Never heard of uh, the Steve Harvey show. Nope. Mm-hmm. I know who Steve Harvey is, though. Yes. it And it's just a show about him. Wait, you know what? Steve Harvey, the guy who hosts Family Feud now? Yes. He's a meme. Yes. <laughs> Today, he's just a walking meme. Don't we all just want to be walking memes? You should someday? see his suits. I've... He take pictures of suits all the time. Yes. His green suit and his blue suit. <laughs> he's an older black man. He's a dapper man. I don't know that older black men that are well off. Like them some suits, but he they they Photoshop him into funny situations. Oh, like yeah. it's hilarious. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like his green suit, people made him look like the Riddler. <laughs> um, and then we also could have been watching Moesha. Have you ever heard of that? Only through you. What is it about? Is it a black sitcom? What is it about? A girl named Moesha. What is it about? I don't know. It's about a girl named Moesha. That's it. Is she in college? I don't know. <laughs> no, she's not. Eventually, she is and gets in college. Who plays Moesha? I don't know. The singer Brandy. Oh. <laughs> I was going to was going to jokingly guess Monica. No. <laughs> um but yeah, I'll maybe I'll make you watch an episode of that. No, I won't. No, I won't. But those are her runners up. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, a busy a busy uh year for TV. Yeah, that's a pretty long one, yeah. honestly. Yep, yep. Uh that, 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 that's, are, that's we, it. That's our show. That, are, that, that's it, kids. We are television people. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, that is the end. I guess we're going to go out with some plugs. If you want to follow the show on Twitter and on Instagram, we are at Media Mate Show on both. As we said before, we're going to have a poll up. You can tell us what show you thought was better. Hey, Arnold. Roni Kenshin. Um, we're also going to – I like to post uh, cool videos, uh, pictures, fun things like that on there. And, uh, yep, so check that. <laughs> check us out there. Uh, <laughs> do us a favor. Follow the show on your podcast platform of choice. Yeah. Subscribe. Leave us a review. Mm-hmm. Give us some stars. Five of them, <laughs> preferably. Tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Steal their phones. Give us five stars on their phones. I feel like this sh- this episode should make it easy. It's like, hey, ask your friend, did you like Nickelodeon in the 90s? <laughs> Listen to this podcast. Or, hey, do you like anime from the 90s? <laughs> Listen to this. It's easy as that, folks. It's so easy. <laughs> um, and as for me, you can follow me personally on Twitter, at RodTheMaster. That's at RodTheMaster. I write for a video game website about the Nintendo series The Legend of Zelda. It's called ZeldaDungeon.net. 
If you like Zelda, check that out. And I host a YouTube show about professional wrestling called Keep Kayfabe. That's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. So if you like wrestling, you check that out too. What do you got? Uh, if you want to find me, I have a YouTube. But I'm not going to drop my YouTube handle anymore until I post something on the YouTube. So if you want to know how to find me on YouTube, listen to another episode. <laughs> Taming Tales. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Um, yep, and so with that, we're going to close out with the ending theme to Veroni Kenshin. Um, I can't remember. I think it, I think I got the Japanese version. Mm-hmm, because it was less offensive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the song is called Jam Tactics by the Yellow Monkeys. And, uh, yep, that is what we're going to be closing out with. Dang it. You should have closed with the closing song from the movie since it was by uh, OK Rock. Sorry. I don't. It's fine. Either way, we're going <laughs> to Jam Tactics, Yellow Monkeys. We'll see you all next time with our movies of 1997. And remember kids, folks are not that nice downtown.